Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. The following is a presentation of A's Cast, your free 24-7 nonstop destination for A's baseball. This is A's Cast Live, your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics. Watch the left field deep. Bam going back. Looking up. He will watch it fly. And 29 other MLB clubs. 2-2 pitch on Trout, and he blasts one. Way back. Go. Cody Bellinger hits one out. He He's your home run derby champion. Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe. From spin rate to juiced balls to game-changing moments, we have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us next from the town, only on A's Cast Live. A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. What is happening, everybody? Yeah, it's our first uh, day back for a while since we've been playing all these day games. And what a lineup we have for you today. Craig Mish, the guy from South Florida who breaks all the news down in South Florida, is going to join us to talk about what's going on with the Marlins. We'll have the TV face of the Colorado Rockies, Drew Goodman. If you remember when we covered the Rockies, as we were going through every single team in every division, we had Drew on. He's fantastic. He will join us at 4 o'clock. At 4.30, it's a half hour, no interruptions, with the face of the franchise, Ray Fossey. And then a real special treat for you today, as he is just, as he gets older, he gets better doing interviews, and he's one of the terrific players, young players in the game. Not really all that young. He's, you know, he's, he's in his prime. And he's got to lead your club. Matt Chapman is going to be here at 5 o'clock. And we got a lot to get into with Chappie. You know, you're talking about his old high school teammate, Nolan Arenado. I mean, these two guys, the gold gloves and the platinum gloves that they have and the fact that their families know each other, uh, El Toro High School down there in Southern California. So a lot to talk about with Chap getting out to a hot start. It's a big deal. That was a big worry for us. And they take three or four from a division rival. That's a big deal. And right now the A's are in first place in the West with the Houston Astros. And the Astros already lost Garrett Cole. Uh, Verlander's going to be out for, I don't know. He's being reevaluated in two weeks, the elbow, if you haven't heard. At first it was done for the year. Then Verlander and Dusty Baker came out. Well, it was Dusty Baker with, who was it with Brian McTaggart 
is he MLB.com or is he Houston Chronicle? Uh, McTaggart. Uh, good afternoon, by the way. McTaggart is uh, MLB.com. That's Commander Cody. So Dusty told McTaggart, slow down, slow down. He's not done for the year. And then Verlander came out on social media and said, reevaluate it in two weeks. But no matter what, he's gone for a while. Because when you're going through something like this, you're now not throwing. You're not throwing on a mound. You're not playing catch. You're doing nothing. In two weeks, they'll evaluate you. And, and even if they say, yes, you can start throwing. Now it's just a light toss. And every day or every other day, it gets a little bit longer. And it's a, it's, it's going to be a while before Justin Verlander gets on the mound. And I don't, I don't believe the Astros are going to fall apart. There's 16 teams getting into the postseason. I believe they'll be one of them. And that's kind of what they're thinking. Like, okay, let's just give this some time. And if you can really help us in the last week or two, or maybe in the postseason, great. Now, if they fall apart, which I don't think they will, there's no reason to bring him back. The thing that's sad is really Verlander's the last guy who has a chance to win 300 games. And he will not get that chance. It was it was tough enough he was only going to get, at best, 12 starts. And now, not even that. He's so far. I mean, he's so close, but yet so far. He needed a couple more 20-game, you know, 20, 21, 22 wins, a couple seasons like that, but uh, not going to get that. So, the big news in baseball, obviously, is with the Marlins. And I don't necessarily love the way it's being covered. And everybody has a doom and gloom scenario. And I, and I want to kind of look at it from more of a, a journalist than a sports writer. Because there's questions here. And they're not questions that I'm seeing in the USA Today or The Athletic or ESPN.com or CBS Sports or whoever is covering these things. I'm not hearing questions about, okay, let's get our arms around this. I just keep hearing, especially people from the outside, see, they shouldn't be playing. Okay, wait a minute. One team has it. It's come out. Just about all 29 teams have done a great job. It's this one team. Why? No one's asking the question. Because you got to remember, it's not like these guys haven't been together now for weeks. If we if we have an idea of how COVID-19 works, they tested people coming in. Those guys who tested positive are already back playing. You saw Tyler Glass now absolutely dominating the Atlanta Braves yesterday. We saw we saw Jesus Lazardo on Saturday back on the mound, blowing 98 with that changeup. So what this tells us when we look at the timeline of, of when you get COVID and when you test positive and when symptoms come, and we're going to ask Craig Mish, because that's something I like to ask that, I haven't seen any of our baseball brethren ask, what kind of symptoms are they having? Because if you're like Jesus Lazardo, really no symptoms, quarantine, test twice, negative, you're back playing. Your body beat it. You know, some guys are going to have 
Uh, Ezekiel Elliott, the great running back for the Dallas Cowboys, said he felt like I had a cold, just a little shortness of breath, and then gone. So what are the symptoms? And I want to know, okay, where was everybody? Because you were in this bubble. You left Miami. They went to Atlanta, and then they went to Philly. Was everybody doing the protocol is what I'm getting at. Because the 29 other teams are all seeming to do be doing pretty well. Why, why now an outbreak with these guys? You know, as we found out, Lou Williams of the Clippers went to a gentleman's club. See, that's a no-no. Bars, clubs. Hey, I'm going with a bunch of buddies to a, a barbecue in the backyard. Not supposed to be doing that stuff. And Stan Caston, president of the Dodgers, who we had on at spring training. It was so funny, I just ran into him. Uh, longtime executive in multiple sports. He's quoted as saying, and the commissioner backed that up on MLB Network, was we knew at some point there would be some cases. So while everybody's trying, I, I don't know, did everybody really go into this thinking that nobody's going to test positive during the season? Is that what was that the ex? Because that was not the expectations. They've known at some point some people are going to be able to. That's why they have the alternate sites because they know it's possible people could test positive. I'm almost at a point to where I got to get off Twitter. I really, it, it, it's I, I, I. There's so many people that I follow that I just don't trust what they have to say. Especially, we have so many people now in the radio brethren who are not really trained to do this. We're not real journalists. They're just all hot takes people and somehow got jobs. Ugh, I'm at the point to where I'm like, I might just, just scrap it. I mean, as of right now, I, I, I'll i tweet stuff about the A's and I'll retweet our show, but the rest, ugh. Baseball knew at some point there, baseball never said. I don't know, unless I'm wrong, Cody. Baseball ever said, oh, no, we won't have anybody test positive. Yeah, they, uh, I, watched, I don't know if you've watched this or not, but Commissioner Manfred was on uh, MLB, MLB Tonight yesterday. With He got an interview by Tom Verducci. It was like a 10-minute interview, and he was just talking about what happened yesterday, and like he pretty much like acknowledged that they knew that this was going to happen and how to figure it out. We found out today Ken Rosenthal put up the piece from the MLB, the MLB statement that they did a bunch of t- – I think I have it right here on my computer – from Ken Rosenthal earlier today, that in over 6,400 tests conducted since Friday, July 24th, there have been no new positives of on-field personnel from any other of the other 29 clubs. So it was just the Marlins, which is so weird because if you're gonna, if people are going to blame it on no, Florida. No, that's not weird. That's where you got to be a journalist and ask questions. you got to who, what, where, why. I mean, wh- why is this happening just to them? Well, that's like, something – well, Something, it's not weird. Something went on. Somebody went, I mean, it, unless they're totally unlucky, which is also a possibility. But something happened. Did something happen? And that's what needs to be questioned. They need to find out and go to the guys that have it and said, okay, tell me what you did while you were in Atlanta. Tell me what you did while you were in Philadelphia. Tell me what you did right before we left. Because remember, if you get it 
it's not like it's sudden. It takes time. So that's why they need to ask their players these questions. Because if the other 20, now, now if the other 29 teams start doing it, well, then, you know, it'll be shut down. But since it's one team, it makes me go, hmm, puts my thinking cap on. And baseball needs to investigate this and needs to figure that out. And the Marlins need to figure it out. Did somebody go somewhere? Did somebody leave, you know, ideally if I don't know what they're doing to the hotel rooms, but I'm assuming that they're like disinfectant or they're doing something to the hotel rooms. And they probably have, and you know that's something that uh, I probably could find out. Uh, I don't, I don't know if every team's different or whatever, but I'm sure there's places that they can go to eat that have been sterilized, and then they got way more buses so they can social distance. And they're spreading these guys out in the clubhouse, and they're supposedly spreading them out in the dugout. Remember, these guys have been with each other for weeks. It's not like they just showed up and, oh, a guy brought in COVID. So they got this while being together. So that's my point is, how? Did you? Did somebody or did a couple guys go somewhere maybe they shouldn't have gone? And that's where we have talked to players about how they have said, and we were talking to Stephen, Stephen Piscotti about it, about how they've all talked about we got to protect ourselves. Well, it just takes one bad apple or two bad apples to break that, and then they bring COVID back into the traveling party. Is a guy, is someone just unlucky who got it and, and spread it through? Then then that's that's a possibility too. But that's why you have to ask questions. And I don't hear anybody asking questions. And it's not my job to be questioning the Florida, Miami, Dade County Marlins. Does that make sense? No, it does, and it it it's just like I when I was thinking about it, because if, if you know, there's going to be people out there going, well, you know, they're in Florida, it's a hot spot. Well, the Rays aren't having any issues, and they're playing, they're playing their games at home. They play Tampa now, they're or they play Toronto now, they're playing Atlanta. Be interesting now what happens after they play Atlanta, because that's where the that's where the Marlins were before they went to Philadelphia. Now I don't, I don't know if you saw this, but. The Marlins are now not playing till Monday. The Phillies are off until Friday. The Yankees are supposed to play the Phillies tonight at home. They're now going to play the Orioles tomorrow and Wednesday in Baltimore. So it created a whole mess of scheduling conflicts now. But it, it makes sense to have the Marlins off until next Monday so they can try to put together a team from their taxi squad and their their 60-man, you know, the guys in their, their alternative site to get playing. Like I know it's a joke that, like, some guys are saying – Hey, like the Marlins are looking to fill healthy rosters, and Don Trevor Willis kind of put a, a, a gif out there of saying, like, I'm ready, like, call me pretty much, like, I'm ready to go. But you want the health and safety to be first, and that's what they're doing. But you also want to – we want to see the season continue. And it's just one team after 6,400 tests conducted, only one team has issues. We need to know what was happening either in Atlanta or Philadelphia with this Marlins team that I told you last week I thought was going to be a playoff team. And they got off to the start to be a playoff team, and then – this all came down over the weekend, so it's kind of unfortunate, but I'm hoping that we figure out the, what the problem was and they, with the contact tracing and all that, and they uh, they sort it out and they're back playing sooner than later. Okay, and, and here's here's something else that, that you're not going to hear. Last time the Marlins were on the field with quite a few COVID cases, 
What was the score of the game? Uh, well, they scored a lot of runs. They have like eleven runs or something. I believe the Marlins beat the Phillies eleven to six. Yeah, that was a uh, it was a butt whooping in Philadelphia. Yeah, yeah. The guys all with COVID, and I'm not. I mean, trust me, I'm sensitive to this. I understand. I'm just trying to figure it out. But yeah, a bunch of them got COVID and they beat the Phillies eleven to six. See, that's the thing. It's like we're going to ask Craig Mish, and that's something that I I like to talk about because I don't want to use the virus as a political football. Too many people are doing that. You know, I want to know what are the cases? Because Tyler Glass now are two two examples. There's our own Jesus Lazardo, Tyler Glass now. You test, you find out they got it, you quarantine them, they come back, they gotta they gotta pass two negative tests, they're back playing. And Jesus went, these days are starting to run together pretty quick, huh? Jesus went Saturday, Glass now went yesterday, today's Monday. No, today's Tuesday. Yeah, today's Tuesday. Because <laughs> Monday was a day. Yeah, a Monday day game, by the way. Hey, I got Ken Korak to finally agree with me. I don't know if you heard that in the postgame show yesterday. I missed the I – I listened to – I got to the end of the postgame. What did you get – did you get him to agree about uh, your, your travel schedule or, your, or was it more about interleague okay. play? So I, I, I phrased it in a way he couldn't he – could, he, he couldn't go against it. So I said, um, Ken, I have no idea why we're having these weird start times. Like, what time did I start yesterday? Like 11.45 for a, a, a normal 1 o'clock. We normally start at what, 105 one ten, or 107 or whatever it is? Yeah, so pregame would have been one forty or 11.45. It was a 12.40 first pitch. So, yeah. And then tonight's game is at what time? Six, 6.40? So 5, 5.45, ace total access will start. So I said, Ken, I have I, no one's explained it to me. Why why do we have these funky times? And he goes, because of the Texas teams. And I went, wait a minute, we're playing funky times to accommodate two central time zone teams. And he went, yep. And I said, Ken, just another case in point of why we should not be in the same division as the Astros and the Rangers. We're not in the same time zone. We're having everybody think about this. Let's go through it. Now, I don't know. I don't know if this, what, how this affects the Rockies. Rockies are in what mountain. Yeah. They're the mountain time zone. Okay. But this affects, let's just go from the South up. This affects the Padres. This affects the D backs. This affects the Angels, the Dodgers, the A's, the Giants, and the Mariners. Seven teams are affected by the time zone of just two teams in Texas. How about that? Case and point. By the way, who had uh, in our first A's pitcher to get to two wins, uh, who's the winner of the Burt Smith uh, first to two wins for the Oakland Athletics. I want to put the odds at zero. I don't think anyone expected Burt Smith, the guy that the A's got in a trade with the Giants, the first trade with the Giants since 1990 back in February. It's, uh, er- Ernie Riles, was it, yeah. was the last guy? Yeah, so he has two wins. You, you see over the weekend uh, through the four-game set with the Angels, 
by the way, David Fletcher, they finally got him out. He was only hitting like he's only hitting like five fifty something on the season. Think about that versus. Yeah, I think he had what? Uh, let me see. He had eight hits him. and fifteen at bats. He's hitting like three three seventeen <laughs> in his career versus the A's. He's the next David. Trade Rendon? Are you saying trade with Rendon now? Uh, I think it's a time to say that the Rendon signing was uh, was a bad one. Um, none of the the only thing that it's not a concern, but the only thing that I caught my eye more than anything was none of the eight starters went more than you know none of them went more than five innings. None of them even got to five innings. Sean and I got the closest at four and two thirds, but. The bullpen in 20 and the third innings, one earned run allowed, and that was the home run that Liam allowed on the on Friday night to Jason Castro, the pride of the Bay Area. But other than that, the bullpen has been dominant. Lou Trevino looks like a old self. It's probably because he found out that uh, Cal and Slippery Rock aren't going to be playing this year in football, so he's he's juiced up for the season. So I have a stat, a nuggy nug for you today that is going to make you it's gonna it's gonna warm it's gonna warm your heart. Remind me to give you that it's like my gift to you today, the olive branch that I'm extending to you today here on a Tuesday since you've made me work all day. So it's a stat. Okay, well, you don't want to tell me now? No, it's too good. Too good for 321. All right. It's too good. I'll probably forget by then, but hopefully you remember. So here, here's a little note for you. We're going to talk about a starting pitcher. No surprise, but all 18 starting pitchers in Major League Baseball games yesterday, zero worked more than five innings. So this whole little premise that we came up with about how the bullpens are going to be the most important and your old MVP could be a bullpen guy. I mean, what you're, you're, you're seeing it right now that, Guys are going to start racking up victories and saves like you wouldn't believe. And they're so valuable. These guys coming in and getting these outs, if you can get the if you can get the fifth, sixth, seventh, or the sixth, seventh, eighth. And I know some people didn't like it on Twitter, but I'm like, is Jesus Cesardo more valuable pitching three innings, the first three innings? Or is he more valuable going six, seven, eight and getting the ball to Liam? Where's where where's his value? And you know, at Townsend Radio on Twitter, people are going, he needs to be a starter. He's got a, I agree, long term. But in this season, when is he more valuable? I go later innings. We've had this discussion. I think he's more valuable as a. A lot as, of people would disagree. Uh, well, those, no offense to those same people, but Andrew Miller played this role very, very well for the Cleveland Indians who went to the World Series and almost won in game seven. Uh, Andrew uh, Miller, a, guy by, a, a young kid out of Vanderbilt named David Price did this for the Rays to go to the World Series. Yeah, he was uh, he was pretty good. He's had a nice little career. Um, so there's been guys that have done it, and both those guys we mentioned are lefty. What they have in common with Jesus Lazardo, also a lefty who throws hard. I think that he could be a big weapon out of the bullpen for the A's. It, it, say, the piggybacking idea, I still, I still am a big fan of. The idea of either Bassett or Mangdon, although Bassett looked pretty good yesterday. He only went four innings, but – have him go four and Lazardo go three, and then give it to Trevino and Hendricks, and there you go. There's four pitchers used instead of seeing the old Gabe Kapler. Let's use nine guys that we don't have. We're a positionless staff, and Kevin Gosman's going to pitch in the fifth kind of rotation where you can only have four guys pitch. One, you're speeding up the games, which is great for everyone. Two, you're saving your bullpen because no one has to worry about pitching. And three, you're giving guy, defining roles for different guys, which is great. Somebody just brought me a present. Look at that. Well, wow, it has your. That's interesting. It's. I love the label. 
Yeah, it's Captain Morgan, but it's Captain Townie. My buddy Jason Babcock is here. Uh, what are you doing? Did you bring my duck? So a duck club. I'm getting duck that I'm going to put in the smoker. Thank you, my friend. So, um, yeah, my buddy's dropped off a uh, – see what happens if you do the shows from home? Just brought, dropped me a little bottle of uh, Captain Mo. What was I talking about? We were talking about uh, Hazel Cesardo and being deadly and – the later innings when I was going on and on and on I mean, about piggybacking. Deadly. I mean, the bullpen's 3-0, two saves, .44 ERA. Everybody has pulled their weight. And you know what I want to say about Bassett? And you know I'm a, I'm a big fan. And played a big part last year, and he's going to play a big part this year, and he's going to play a big part going forward. But how good is it to get out of a bases-loaded jam with a 1-2-3 double play? Is anything better than that for a pit, a pitcher's best friend double play, but get the one, two, three double play where because of his length, he's able to get it. And I don't know if you notice, he threw off the wrong foot. And whenever you do that, it could sail on you. I was like, ah, no, but it, he got it to Murph and, uh, to get out of that jam with a one, two, three double play was awesome. He had to play earlier in the inning too, uh, with Chapman saving a run too. So that was, it was to get out of that jam was incredible. He the way he overpowered. I you don't say this very often. The way that he overpowered Mike Trout and the first couple of bats that Trout had was uh, impressive, and then the last of bat Trout had against Joaquin Soria, um, maybe a little high, but it, it caught the strike zone. Oh, it was so good! Come on, <laughs> I know Trout's reaction though. He's the never way, the way Trout the way Trout is on the A's just to see him get screwed on a call and get angry. It was like oh, it felt so good. Well, we weren't on since then, but Trout now has 35 career homers versus the A's, 19 at the Coliseum. Slowly climbing the leaderboard, passing potentially passing Palmero and A-Rod. And uh, also um, the great Babe Ruth, will he ever get there? We'll see because Babe Ruth has, what, like 108 or 9 or 10 career home runs against the A's. Uh, that Since I've checked that, I know that for a fact. Uh, Babe Ruth against the Philadelphia, Philadelphia Athletics, Hit 108 home runs. Yeah, uh, Trout's uh, Trout's on his way there. I mean, Trout would have to play till he's like 60 to get to that. Um, now, did you watch the mo- the morning? What's the morning show on MLB Network called? I always forget. Isn't it uh, the MLB Rundown or I think that's what it's called. Whatever the hell it's called. D Row was not happy this morning uh, about the call on Trout, but if you actually show the triangle, the bottom of the baseball was in it was in the rectangle and see this is why an electric strike zone would change offense forever it's a great example because the ball all it has to do is nick the zone and you're getting the call and and yesterday's a perfect example of why i think in the end, the electric strike zone would be great, and we wouldn't see the juice baseball and, 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 and the craziness is because the high fastball would get back in vogue. Back in the day, you, you go back and watch a Sandy Koufax game. He got that fastball on a routine basis. Players now complain. All they do is complain about it. That's what the and that's what they don't like. Like like people who have played against it. Like if you have a breaking ball that's at the bottom of the zone, all it has to do is nick the zone and it's a strike. Now it's going to look super low, 
But that's not the point. The electric, the electric, all you have to do is hit the electric strike zone at any point, and it's a strike. So you know what, hitters? You better go up there swinging. None of this, take a pitch, step out, adjust the gloves, get back in, take a pitch, step out. You know, next thing you know, you have this long at-bat. Hit, pitchers start pounding that strike zone, and they can pitch up and in, up and away, down and in, down and away, and they start getting more strikes. Guys are going to have to start swinging earlier in the count. Next thing you know, we got faster games. And you're not seeing home run derby every single night. I'm just saying. And I know there's so many different people. I don't know how. Just about everybody we have brought on hates the electric strike zone. I don't, is there anybody? Have we ever brought anybody on that agreed with us? I don't think so. I think we're the only people that have actually said we like the, elect, the electric strike zone because – I'm with you. I was watching a few games over the weekend, and I, wa- I was watching one last night that um, it was the Pirates and Brewers. I don't even want to get started because they blew a four-run lead in the ninth. But there were some of the calls on the strike zone. They were they were throwing sliders way outside in, in the – I forget who was behind home plate calling a strike. So I'm like, if there's an electric strike zone, this would be called the right way. Like, I know it's an eye test and you, you know, all that, but I was not a fan of it. I saw a lot of it over the weekend. We even saw it – was it the first night for, at the Coliseum, how bad the strike zone was? So – I'm all for it, but I think you and I are the only ones that actually agree that we think it's good for baseball. And I'm, I'm with you. I think the high stri- the high fastball would be a huge weapon for pitchers going forward if that happens. You know who liked it yesterday? Every single A's fan watching that game loved that call. And you can justify the call because the bottom of the baseball hit the electric strike zone. So you say you're not for it, but when you're watching it, you watch Trout get struck out at the end of the game, you all loved it. Coming up next, we're going to head to South Florida. Craig Mish is going to join us. He's the guy that breaks all these stories. And we'll find out what is going on with the Marlins right here on A's Cast Live. Some things just go together. Peanut butter and jelly. Cookies and milk. Oakland and Kaiser Permanente. If that last one caught you off guard, it shouldn't, because Kaiser Permanente has been helping keep Oakland healthy since our very beginning. And as the official healthcare partner of the Oakland A's, that won't be changing anytime soon. Whatever you may need, you can trust Kaiser Permanente to help keep you feeling your best. Kaiser Permanente. Thrive. Visit kp.org today. COVID-19 is more than a health crisis. It's a financial crisis for many California families. In this moment, you shouldn't have to worry about keeping the lights on. That's why at PG&E, we want you to know about our programs to reduce bills for customers facing economic hardship, that we've suspended all disconnections because of non-payment, and we can help you save money by using less energy. To learn more, visit safetyactioncenter.pge.com. Right now, staying connected is more important than ever, and fast, reliable internet from Xfinity can help. We have plans to fit every budget, with speeds up to a gig, all at Xfinity.com. We'll ship you a self-install kit on us to make setup quick, safe, and easy. No tech visit required. And our simple digital tools will help you manage your account online. At Xfinity, we're committed to keeping you connected. Find great offers and value today at Xfinity.com. Restrictions apply. Actual speeds vary and not guaranteed. 
Chevron and its brands are committed to reliably providing fuel to customers, even during an emergency. The safety and health of workers, customers, and the communities where Chevron operates are primary concerns. In Northern California, Chevron and Texaco stations are open for business, supplying quality fuels in a safe manner. This is Chris Townsend for the Chicken Pie Shop of Walnut Creek. During these horrific times, people still need to get food, and the Chicken Pie Shop of Walnut Creek does deliver. Give them a call at 925-322-8799. That's 925-322-8799. Don't forget, their world-famous chicken pie and also all the other pies that they have you can freeze and have for a long time. So give the pie shop in Walnut Creek a call. You call them at 925-322-8799. And don't forget, you can also get beer, wine, and spirits with your delivery. And you can check out the full menu, chickenpieshopwc.com. That's chickenpieshopwc.com. You don't need to understand how available adaptive variable suspension works or how pre-collision cameras detect pedestrians in low light. You don't need to understand any of the craft that went into the Lexus ES to feel it. With outstanding connectivity and standard Lexus Safety System Plus 2.0, experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. LSS Plus 2.0 and the pre-collision system with pedestrian detection are not a substitute for safe and attentive driving practices. See owner's manual for additional limitations and details. Streaming from the town, A's Cast Live continues with Chris Townsend. And here is my conversation with Craig Mish. Craig, it's great to have you back on the program. How are things in the Sunshine State? Well, they could be a little bit better. First of all, I appreciate you having me on for sure. Um, yeah, I mean, it's a pretty much worst case scenario, unfortunately, for uh, South Florida fans who are Marlins fans because they're not going to get them to see them play for a period of time. So certainly uh, not something that I expected to happen and especially happen so quickly. Yeah, I get you know, the big question that I have, and it's something that we've talked about on the show. And most people, most baseball people aren't thinking this way. But if you think about when summer camp or spring training 2.0, uh, wh- whatever people want to call it, these players have now been with each other for a while. And normally, if someone would have come in with COVID, like let's say Tyler Glass now, our own Jesus Lazardo, they've already recovered and they're playing. So if there's an outbreak going on now, it means somebody with the knowing what we know about the virus, someone caught the virus while inside this so-called spring training bubble. Do we know any more than that? Uh, you, you mean in the Mar- in terms of the Marlins, correct? Correct. Okay. Yeah. No, I, I don't think that that is accurate. I, I think that um, within the bubble, the Marlins basically uh, tested every day for three weeks and didn't have a single positive test the entire time. So this happened when the Marlins left their bubble of South Florida and went on the road to Atlanta to play two exhibition games. Now, what happened there is still remains to be seen. And what happened in between the time that they traveled from Atlanta to Philadelphia is also somewhat in question. So I think as we trace this thing back, I think that is really the source of the issue. And there certainly is rampant speculation about a number of different things going on, all of which no one has confirmed anything yet. But I'm guessing in the coming days, somebody will. 
Yeah, we're speaking the same language. You just did it better than I did. <laughs> my, my point was, it wasn't like someone caught COVID before they started summer camp, because by that point, they would have been over it. They caught it somewhere along the line while being with the team. Well, whether it was South Florida, as you said, Georgia or Philadelphia, somebody went it's somehow. And, you know, that's the thing for us is, you know, wear your mask, wash your hands, constantly using Purell, you know, use social distancing. Someone caught it while they were a part of the group. Yeah. And, and I think in this case, uh, you know, they, they probably caught it when they went on the road. I just wish that I had more details and information that I could provide, but we, we just don't know exactly how it happened um, at the present time. But I would tell you that once Major League Baseball allowed players to travel, and certainly that's the only way to do it if you're going to be playing in your home parks, you were opening up that possibility. And now we're going to have to find that out. We're going to have to find out and, and, and basically learn a lesson from that. But you know, the one lesson that I've taken from all of this is that if, if you can limit the travel as much as possible, which Major League Baseball tried to do and, and smartly tried to do at the beginning of the season by having the teams play regionally, essentially, uh, then you're off to a good start. But I still think that having teams travel the day before the game is opening themselves up to a world of trouble, because if you're not going to have those tests back until after you land, it's too late. You know, if there's like something positive that we can take out of this, because the other 29 teams supposedly are doing well, um, is that now guys will be taking more precautions. I was looking at a game yesterday with the Cincinnati Reds, and next thing you know, they, they pan over the dugout, and Sonny Gray and Trevor, Trevor Bauer have their masks just hanging not on. And I'm thinking to myself, why? Maybe, just maybe, with what's happened with the Marlins, the other 29 teams will be like, guys, you got to have your masks on. You got to social distance. You can't be high fiving and celebrating together. Maybe just the Marlins can teach, or just what's happened to the Marlins can teach the other 29 teams. Guys, you got to do the protocols. I don't think there's any question about it that the way that the Marlins are going to be used in this spot is for the other teams to learn. And I would also say for the other leagues to, to learn from this, from in, maybe in the NHL or, or even in the NFL coming up in a few months too. And that's really unfortunate that the Marlins are sort of the litmus test to how to keep this going. But I do think that you're right. I've seen players still spitting on the ground. I think it's pretty obvious at this point. And maybe they'll have to start curbing that. But there's no question to me that the testing part of this is the one thing that needs to change. It may cost more money. And it may cost somebody more money, but this has to be every day. I, I don't believe that this can be every two days or three days or even wondering what could possibly happen. And I understand that Major League Baseball players are in a more privileged position than people like us who are just working stiffs every day. Uh, they got to step it up a little bit more and get these tests back and get them back faster, if that is possible. Well, and then I've been wondering... You know, what are the symptoms? Because some guys don't feel at all. Freddie Freeman had a high fever. You know, all of a sudden, you know, look at the Marlins. They scored, what was it, 11 runs against the Phillies, and all of a sudden yeah. people are positive, but they just pounded the Phillies. So that's something I'm, I'm now real interested in because cases are going up, but the death rate's going down. Do we know how the players actually feel? Yeah, well, there's a lot of players involved here with the Marlins, and, and, it, and it's my you know, just from doing some of my investigating, it seems like most of the players don't have any symptoms. And I've heard a couple potentially that do. And, and that's just, you know, sort of polling different people. And it's not easy to get results from that. And a lot of times you're talking to third parties in those situations. So 
Um, it, it does seem that the conditions for a lot of the players are mild. That does appear to be true. But everyone seems to be discussing the one player on the Boston Red Sox, the pitcher Eduardo Rodriguez, who seems to be having it a lot harder than a lot of other players uh, due to his physical health and, and, and having some breathing issues. So I still don't think that we can just look at it and say 90% of the players are having no issue because there's a 10% or a 5% or 1%. I don't know what that is, but whatever the percentage is, you have to protect those players. Where exactly is the Marlins taxi squad? Well, the taxi squad, if I'm not mistaken, is able to travel with the team. So the taxi squad is a handful of players that go with the team just in case anything happens. And then if something happens on the spot, they can use them. They have an alternate campsite, which is in Jupiter, Florida, which is made up of all the players that in case something happens to the taxi squad, then those players would be available to play in a major league game on a call-up situation. Every team has 60 players that are available uh, on their roster. So um, that's in Jupiter, Florida. Some of those players in Jupiter, Florida will have to be on the Marlins big league roster when they resume, if they resume next week. But they're also going to have to go through a very thorough testing process because several of those players in Jupiter traveled with the Marlins to Atlanta for the exhibition and then traveled back to Florida after they were over. So like for us, uh, the alternate site, is San Jose, which is, you know, about 35 minutes because we have no traffic now. <laughs> and then uh, right. for the Giants, it's it's Sacramento. How far is Jupiter from Miami? Uh, Jupiter is probably an hour and 15 minutes, maybe a little bit more, depending on the traffic uh, from Miami. It is a straight drive uh, uh, down Interstate I-95. Uh, it's in the Palm Beach uh, County district, and you would drive an hour and 15 minutes. I always say it depends on how fast you drive. You know that uh, anywhere with traffic. But that's about the the, uh, the number there, a little bit over an hour. And how, do you know how much those guys are getting tested? Because we, we know the guys in the big leagues, what, every other day, and some teams now probably every day. But do, do we know how much the alternate site guys are getting tested? I don't know the answer to that, no. Because that, you know, bringing them in, uh, that's it. I mean, it's all stuff. My God, we've never seen anything like this. And it's uh, it's it, it is crazy. And we know statements coming out from Derek Jeter and everything about protecting the players and hopefully uh, can, can get this thing out of control and get the Marlins playing again. How far off do you think? Because we know they've got some young talent. How far off do you think the Marlins are from from being a team that can really be competitive? I, I thought, I mean, going into this, uh, you know, I thought 2021 was re- reasonable to think that they could be a team that could finish around 500 or maybe even better. They have a top five minor league system in Major League Baseball, and several of those players in a 162 game season this year, I thought we would have seen this year too. Um, now that's very much in question. I think it has to be, and I think all of this has set back teams to a degree, and, and especially a team like Miami that needed to continue to develop those young players. Uh, So I can't necessarily say that 2021 is going to be a winning season, but I don't think that Derek Jeter, their CEO, and Bruce Sherman, their principal owner, who uh, is a huge baseball fan and, um, you know, and certainly is is getting up there in age, I don't think that they bought the team to wait 10 years to win. My guess is in the next year or two. Obviously very big down there in South Florida is the Miami Dolphins. And I just think about, you know, what we're seeing right now with baseball, um, God, football. If baseball 
has had a hard time starting. I just can't imagine the NFL season. Yeah, and I, and I think that they're very fortunate that they've had all this time to prepare. It is very surprising to me that they are just going to plow on like this and plan on just executing a normal game plan, a normal training camp. Um, I, I mean, I, I don't want to say that they should be in a bubble or baseball should be in a bubble because I don't think it's realistic for the amount of players that are involved in this. It's not like the NBA. It's really uh, completely different. It's apples and oranges, 15 players on one uh, on one NBA team. Um, they've also eliminated six teams in the NBA to start the season. So I, it's, it's really interesting that they make that comparison because I don't think it's fair at all. But getting back to the NFL, I sent this on social media earlier today. The only way that they can succeed is by traveling the day of the game. They can't spend any time in hotels. You cannot spend any time on the road. You can't put anybody at risk. And if they're planning on flying in their players on Saturday night and staying in a local hotel, no matter how nice it is or no how matter how uh, clean it is, one player could ruin it for the whole team. So that's got to be a starting point. And I know some teams are considering it. It has to be done league-wide. Well, you keep breaking stories like you do on Twitter. You're a great follow, and hopefully things will get better in Florida really, really soon. You take care and you be safe. Well, thanks for having me again. Appreciate it. Craig, great yeah, he stuff. Does, he does a good stuff with uh, all the stuff down there in South Florida. It's hard to believe that there actually has been some news in South Florida. When you talk about the Marlins, it was trading Giancarlo. Was he Mike or Giancarlo then when he was getting traded? Uh, he was Giancarlo then. Uh, he, the name change went through. Yelich. Ozuna. Paddock. There's a lot of guys. We can go through the Cabrera, Mike Lowell, Josh Beckett. Well, that was that was a little bit before Mish's time. Uh, Mike Piazza, Edgar Renteria. That's the one that always shocks me. Is how do you get rid of the uh, the pizza man, Mike Piazza, Hall of Famer? Uh, he was a Marlin for like eight days or whatever it was. <laughs> one of the great Marlins of all time, yeah. Mike yeah. Piazza. Yeah. By the way, just going through some notes. Otani had a really bad weekend. That's an understatement. Uh, yesterday, obviously not the weekend, but we're going to count it as a weekend series. Shoei went 0 for 4 with three punch outs. Sunday, he didn't even get an out on the mound. And he's batting 111. He's 1 for 9 on the season. Albert Pujols hitting Point zero eight three after going one for 12. And Justin Upton, he did hit the one home run on the ledge. He's two for 16 for a buck 25. Halos, uh, not swinging it all so hot. Supposedly, though, if I'm reading this correctly, the man who signed a seven-year $245 million deal, Anthony Rendon, will make his debut tonight in front of the home crowd down in Anaheim. Why would you take Fletcher out of the line? He's only batting 533. I, I'm trading Rendon right now. <laughs> I'm, I'm extending Fletcher to a bigger deal than Trout right now after the way he played over the weekend. By the way, watching games and then, you know, watching MLB Network where they go around all the stadiums, 
All these teams have not put cutouts. I like, what are you doing? It's a great idea for whatever their community funds called that we have for the A's. It, it, it gives it some character. I mean, otherwise just got empty seats. Like, why would you do that? Why wouldn't you do something to, to make the, the, the eye test look better for the fans. I don't understand why we, you know, your Pirates got nothing. I know. I was just going to say the Pirates had nothing at PNC Park. And usually it's great that the scenic view when you see the city of Pittsburgh and the, the Roberto Clemente Bridge is cool. But there's somebody there. Well, let's be honest. There's someone there when they do have fans. So, but just literally no one being there, no cutouts, nothing. It was, it's just odd. Like, at least at the Coliseum, you see the, the cutouts. And, you know, we hear a lot of jokes about it on the radio broadcasts and TV broadcasts and, but the crowd noise helps, and, the, you know, the control room at the Coliseum has done a fantastic job with the crowd noise and all the sound effects they're playing. It, it makes it feel like it's a real game, with, a real game with fans there. They're doing an outstanding job where teams like Pittsburgh, and I, I want to say I had the Cleveland uh, White Sox game one of their doubleheader on, and I see a few at Cleveland, like behind home plate, they have Flo and the other guy from Progressive behind home plate there. But I don't really see a lot of other uh, cutouts uh, at, at the you, progressive field. You, you know what that is? Well, yeah, it's a sponsor. That's a, that's a sponsor. The Giants just had Lexus on on their on their seats. I'm not going to blame them for that. I mean, you still got to make money, and you still got to take care of uh, sponsors. As uh, we take care of Lexus here with, with the Oakland Athletics, Northern California Lexus. But just the cutouts have been such a great idea. And it just gives it some flair. Like they were even talking about it last night, uh, MLB Network, where they were showing the teddy bears who were not cutouts, but they were sitting there with the old Philadelphia A's. And, you know, we got cutouts of seagulls. The funny thing, way up at uh, Mount Davis, they have cutouts of opposing fans. Yeah, visiting team zone, I believe it's called. That's so great. Come on. Athletics.com slash cutouts. You can still be a part of it. And we need to have the most cutouts in Major League Baseball. It would be great if we had like 50-something thousand cutouts. Oh, I want Mount Davis and then, filled. And then remember Piscotty, if you get – if uh, a ball goes into his area down the right field line and your, your cutout gets it, you're getting a signed ball from him. Yeah, it's – I love the whole idea of cutouts. And, you know, there's there's a there's another sponsor that uh, we like to give a lot of love to, and that's PG&E, and I'll sneak this in, PG&E's frontline workers take the field every day, responding to the needs of our East Bay community. We are happy to honor all the five tool players from PG&E who have shined through the COVID-19 pandemic. Today, we'd like to honor electric crew foreman and longtime ACE fan, Gary Kelly. Thank you, Gary, for all that you're doing on the front lines for our community. So there's a there's a way to sneak in, sneak in a read and uh, give love to our sponsors, as you are talking about, where we talk about Lexus and Flo being behind home plate at, at uh, the – at progressive field, the little update, the White Sox have a guy on second with one out. They're down two. Brad Hand on for the save for the Indians. What, which, what, what's the other guy's name? He's, 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 he's a pretty funny character. Um, it's going to drive me crazy now because I, I just remember them doing those Zoom calls, and the one girl's never muted, and she's always talking crap about everyone else. Uh, what is his name? Uh, I, I, I can't see his name tag on his cutoff from here, but it's both of them sitting by the home plate, and he has the thumbs up and uh, – <laughs> I'll, I'll have to Google this now. Give me a second. My favorite cutout is Charlie O the Mule, who's down the right field line, like near 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 where all the bullpen guys are sitting. 
Because these young guys are probably sitting there looking at that going, what the hell is a mule doing here? They probably have no idea the significance of this. We will have Ray Fossey at 4.30 and get his version of Charlie O the mule. I have a feeling it's a haunted memory for the great Ray Fossey. When they brought Charlie O the mule to the 1973 World Series in New York. Uh, Jamie is his name, by the way. Jamie. Jamie, that is Jamie from Progressive. Yeah, Jamie. That, that's the name. And it's funny. I heard Ken and Vince talking about they were trying to name who all the uh, old Philadelphia Athletics players were that are sitting there by the teddy bears. I believe one of them's Ty Cobb. Uh, another one, maybe, is it Tris Speaker? Ty Cobb. Did, did Ty Cobb play? For I think, had... like, towards the end of his career, he played for the Philadelphia A's. I thought they he were was always about. Tigers. Let me just double check. I swear I thought I heard I'll them say it. You keep going. Um, well, I'm on his page right now. Mickey Cochran? Uh, Who was it? 1927-1928, age 40 and 41, Ty Cobb, Philadelphia Athletic. Great Philadelphia Athletic, Ty Cobb. Yeah, that's that's like a – you could do that with any team, but I think doing the A's one the, – the Marlins one's my favorite, though. Marlins legend Mike Piazza. That that was – that's an all-timer. But, yeah, the, I, I'm trying to remember who the other two guys – I want to say – Tris Speaker might have been one, and I I can't remember who the the last Lefty one was. Grove. It was more like a legendary Hall of Fame player, like to kind of like just finish his career there. They were talking like joking about. I I'd have to text Ken to find out who it was. Well, they they we saw it on camera, but it, you don't see anything up close. Hell, and I wouldn't know what they look like anyway. I got a shocking note. Who do we got going at four o'clock today? Drew Goodman, the the TV face of the Rockies. Okay. Can you name the three teams that lead Major League Baseball in home runs? And what is significant about this? I'm going to say the Twins or the Bomba Squad, the Royals. Home runs. Who else had home runs over the weekend? Let me. I'm thinking about this. The Braves. You got two out of three. The Braves are probably now. So the Braves is not a big deal. The other two are the Tigers have eight home runs and the Royals have eight home runs tied with the Braves at eight home runs. But why is this significant? Well, last year, the Tigers were 29th in home runs. They only hit 149 and the Royals were 28th and only hit 162. We saw something very interesting yesterday with the, the Tigers and Royals, which I'm sure we'll get to later. But our guy, uh, multi-hit Wit, hitting some home runs yesterday. Mikel Franco hitting home runs for them. The Royals hitting home runs is – and then you saw today, I'm sure you saw the big news this morning. Do you see Solaire's opposite field, Jack? Yeah, he uh, – well, he did lead um, Major League Baseball – or the American League in home runs last year with, what, I think, 38. That guy looks like a linebacker. It's it's crazy because when he played for the Cubs, he never put it together. Then he goes to Kansas City and he's in 48 home runs at Kauffman Stadium, and uh, you know, good for them because they need some they need some star power in that in that lineup after Hosmer and Mustakis left. But now that Patrick Mahomes is one of the owners of the the Royals, we got some star power there. I don't know if you saw that earlier today. That's the and and Matt so Harvey you, side. You, I I would like to see the because uh, that's a new ownership group. They they their first year owning the team was last year. Yeah. I would be very interested to see how much money he put in. 
Well, I mean, he's only getting like well, on paper, he's supposed to get five hundred three million from uh from the, the Chiefs. Yeah, but yeah, but he hadn't gotten it yet. Yeah, he's not there yet. He has the guarantees of I forget what it is, but he has like an injury guarantee of like one hundred forty million, and who knows what else he has. But I, I'm curious to see that too because uh, they were joking about it on MLB Tonight about how um, his dad didn't have great stats versus the Royals, but that's okay. His son's a pretty good quarterback. And it's just cool because, like, that, now that he's a part owner, the, the, the Royals are trending in the right direction under Mike Matheny, which I never thought I'd hear myself say that they're trending in the right direction under a guy who in St. Louis didn't believe in analytics, but now they're starting to believe in analytics a little more, dating more, buying into it a little more. The rebuild, I feel like, is going pretty well. They're, they weren't one of the teams that's, like, worrying about service time manipulation. Brady Singer's on their the roster. He pitched Saturday. He's our top pitching prospect. So they're they're not worried about this 60-game season. We don't want to call up any of our guys to worry about the service time. They're, they're, they're trying to win now, which is cool. What did the Royals sell for? It was, I want to say, like a billion. It might have been a little over a – let's see, Royals. Hey, let's just stay at a billion. Let's say you're Patrick Mahomes. It was $1 billion, exactly. Okay, $1 billion. They give you 3%. You buy in 3%. And someone comes in and buys the Royals again for a billion. It's a nice little investment of $30 million. Yeah. He I did. mean, that's like it like like when you own a certain percentage, like like there's there's there the Warriors have multiple owners. Certain organizations have multiple owners with certain percentages. And if you ever sell the team, it is a cash grab. It's a nice little paycheck, thirty million dollars, if you own three percent. Yeah, especially if they start if they start winning, people are going to be happy that Mahomes bought in and can't you know the Chiefs and you know what they've done with the Super Bowl. I like I said, I'm excited to see the Royals rebuild go forward with some of the players they drafted, some of the guys in their system, Solaire, our guy, multi-hit wit. No, I couldn't be happier for anyone than the HUD man because. Seems like Hudler's having a great time on the calls for TV again. Coming up next, we're going to find out about these Colorado Rockies right here on A's Cast Live. Hi, this is Eduardo Perez from ESPN. When I'm in the Bay Area, I make sure I listen to A's Cast Live. Well, the uh, Twins went into Chicago on the what? South side. And... Just absolutely thumped the White Sox. 27 runs and seven home runs in the opening series. They hit a whopping 458 with runners in scoring position. And old man Nelson Cruz, he was 7 for 13, which is a 538 batting average. Three home runs, 10 RBIs. And even though it was a quick week, He'll take it. He is your AL player of the week. And watching the highlights, he was foul pole to foul pole. I mean, there was one where he kind of got jammed and he hit it down the right field line for a double. It was like it was like one of those series where you go in and you, the ball looks like a beach ball. So much for pitchers being ahead of the hitters. Because I got to tell you, Nelson Cruz at 40 years old, look out. But how about this? The Twins are beginning a stretch of 36 games 
in 37 days. Strap it on. And then I was looking at this, too, with the the fear of COVID. The Dodgers are starting there, and this should be a good one. If you wanted to have a mic'd up series, the mic'd up series you would want is Dodgers, Dodgers Astros. Of course, the Dodgers haven't played in Houston since the World Series. Dodgers, uh, Cody Bellinger at their fan fest said this. I mean, these guys were cheating for three years. Remember, Major League Baseball said it was one year. So he says, I mean, these guys were cheating for three years. I think what people don't realize is Altuve stole the MVP from Judge in 17. Everyone knows they stole the ring from us. You don't think the Dodgers are going to chirp a little bit in the next three days? Well, Jock Peterson already said something today. I'll get to that in a second. Wait. Bill Shaken, who covers the uh, covers baseball for the LA Times, said had a tweet out. Jock Peterson doesn't think whatever team wins the World Series this year should have an asterisk by its name. They're not cheating their way to get there, he said. Wow. <laughs> and I'm going to tell you, folks, and I'm going to talk to Matt Chapman about this coming up at 5 o'clock. Oh, oh I, uh, to give you the point about the Dodgers, Dodgers are starting a nine-game road trip. Houston, Arizona, San Diego. I'm not buying the asterisk. This might be literally one of the toughest World Series to ever win. You're having to do this with a pandemic going around the world. You've got 16 teams, more teams than you've brought in such such a different equation of more teams more chances of somebody getting hot who shouldn't even have been there. A team that goes, what the hell? We've got nothing to lose. So, and once it, see, this is the stuff that drives me nuts about media. Even though I am media, it drives me nuts. Like they don't think things through. They're so archaic and they're so predictable. Why are we thinking of this and they're not? Should there be an asterisk? I mean, they're not playing 162. Every, you know what everybody is? Every, so many people in our game are, are restricted to cliches. And they're restricted to this is how you do it. I don't know. Has anyone had to win a World Series through a total pandemic? Has anybody had you have to go through everything that these players are going through? These franchises are going through? Everyone's playing hopefully the same amount of games. If they don't, they'll go by winning percentage. I mean, there's a lot. I mean, when, if you, at the end of all this, stand on top of everybody else, don't tell me you didn't deserve it. I think that's an ignorant thought. It has to be 162 games. If you don't play 162, I mean, it's like, what? Why? If everybody plays, well, now... We may not have that, but everybody plays relatively the same amount of games. This is what it is. And let's face it, you can debate. Is the West the toughest, the East the toughest? If you come out of that East and win the World Series, are you going to tell me that that team's not legit? Hitters are having to see more pitchers 
I mean, think about it as a hitter. It's like only every single time you turn around, it's a pitching change. Back in the old days, they saw the same pitcher the entire game. You don't think it was easier? Am I wrong? Where do you weigh in on this? And if you, you think I'm an idiot, that's fine. No, I don't. I don't. We usually disagree on certain things, the win and, you know, other things we've debated a lot. But I think I'm with you on this. I think that I don't care that they're not playing 162. I think this is more challenging than anything we've ever seen. And that's including, like, you know, playing through the World War and, and all that stuff. But, you know, I think that it, whoever wins, that there shouldn't be an asterisk. I think that they, they played hard. They get there. They, I think it was James Click that said it the GM of the Astros. And it's it's sad to think about, but it's true. Whatever team stays the healthiest through this will will win. And we're already seeing it happen with the Marlins where they, they have 17 guys that tested positive. And I said it before last week that I thought they'd be a playoff team. I'm not shying away from that, but it's going to be kind of difficult now with everything going on. But I think that if it, if we see more of this happen and, and teams are losing players to this or they're opting out, there's I read something earlier that Ryan Braun still might opt out of the season because he has a newborn at home with all the stuff going on now. It makes it more challenging for different teams, and I think that whoever wins, yes, it's this is way more difficult than anything we've ever seen. And they're not playing in a bubble like the NHL and and the NBA is going to be starting up. And well, the NFL said they're not going to play in a bubble, but they also think they're still going to play the fans too. So we'll see how that works out. But yeah, I, I'm with you. I think this is going to be more challenging than anything we or the players or Major League Baseball has ever seen. Earlier today, we got a chance to speak with the TV face, the TV voice of the Colorado Rockies, Drew Goodman, right here on A's Cast Live. Drew, welcome back to A's Cast Live. And tonight, uh, always an interesting meeting. Uh, there's some great storylines for, for this series as a good start for the Rockies, a really good start for the Oakland Athletics. As we all know, it's not a marathon, it's a sprint. Yeah, there's a you know heavy focus now on every game. Uh, you know, given the obvious, you're playing 60 as opposed to 162. Uh, the A's are off to a good start, which you know they've always uh, had to kind of overcome slow starts in, in recent uh, history. But you know, you guys know your club well. It's a very formidable club, and the Rockies pitched very well over the weekend. So I think it'll be a nice uh, a nice early season test uh, for both clubs. And we talked to Matt Chapman earlier today, and he admitted to us that, yeah, it feels different. It's like, yeah, we're in a pennant race. It's not like, you know, late March, early April. So we talk about it as broadcasters, but for sure the players are feeling the urgency. Yeah, they they have to. I mean, it's so common. We, we've all heard this in, in talking to managers, whether it's a Buddy Black or Bob Melvin or, or any of the other 28 managers in baseball when there's a player that's in a slump or a pitcher that's, you know, gone through a couple of rough outings and it's, you know, late April, early May, they, they, they always say, Hey, easy. It's a long season. You know, we're going to let him, you know, work his way through it. You don't have the luxury this year of that. The managers know that certainly the front offices realize that and the players, to your point, uh, recognize that, uh, you can't have a, a, a prolonged slump. You cannot, uh, you know, take a, a game for granted. You have to find a way to get up for each and every one of them because, you know, a two or three game losing streak is magnified in this short season. You know, one of the early great stories of this season is what happened with you guys on Saturday and Daniel Bard, a, a guy that 
you know, the Steve Blast, you know, just couldn't find the plate. Groves hard, was dangerous on the mound, let go by multiple organizations, hadn't, hasn't been the big leagues in seven years, and earns a win on Saturday. Just how special was that? Well, it, 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 was, it was marvelous to watch. It was a neat story going back to late February and early March that he was in camp and he was seemingly uh, throwing the baseball well there after a long absence. And then for him to not only continue that trend in the brief summer camp, but to go out in his first appearance in, in seven years, more than seven years, and to throw the baseball the way he did, uh, it, it's, it's, it's a tremendous story. It's a trend, tremendous testament to um, not only his perseverance, because I think sometimes guys can overcome physical ailments, and, and sometimes it takes quite a while. You know, reading about the Alex Smith situation with with the Washington uh, football team now, they've changed their name, right, or in limbo. But, you know, he went through 17 surgeries. He's been cleared to play again. We've seen that before, maybe not to that extreme with Smith. But to overcome the yips, it almost never happens. And not only that, it's not, oh, this is a nice story. He's going to work in, in middle relief and mop-up duty. He is being entrusted to... Uh, work high leverage innings on the plus side, seventh, eighth. And I wouldn't be surprised if at some point in time uh, you'll see him in the ninth inning if, if necessary. His stuff is electric. He was up to 99 the other day. He threw 25 pitches. 20 were uh, were strikes. Um, he had an electric slider as well. So it, it's a great story, and, and it's not uh, gratuitous. I mean, he, he is legitimately – uh, a back-end guy again. You know, I was watching this video of when he was struggling, and as hard as he throws, it was dangerous. Hitting multiple guys and going up and in, and, I mean, he didn't know where it was going. What happened in all these years that really turned it around for him? Well, one of the things, when he finally shut it down, um, he eventually, I'm not going to give you the whole, you know, the whole story. You certainly can read about it. Uh, but he, he became the mental skills coach, interestingly enough, for the Arizona Diamondbacks. And, you know, just conversing with guys, he, he'd play catch. And, and some of the guys would say, you know, the ball's really coming out of your hand really well. And he had, he had basically taken the, 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 in reading what I, what I have about his, his process, he just he, he took all the negative and eliminated it, and and just focused on on being positive, taking putting less pressure on uh, on outcome, and whatever it did, it, it it calmed his mind, and he was able to implement. And I know sometimes it seems easier said than done, and for for guys that have gone through that uh, ailment of not being able to throw the ball. Uh, as they've done their whole life, most guys can't overcome it, but he, he has. And, um, you know, again, it's a, it's a tremendous story. What we have going at third base in this series is truly amazing. We're just not talking gold gloves. We're talking multiple platinum gloves for both of these guys. They were high school teammates. Nolan Arenado was a senior playing shortstop. Matt Chapman was a sophomore, kind of moving all around the diamond, happy to be on varsity. Their families know each other. Their siblings know each other from El Toro High School. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun looking at two of the best defensive third basemen really to have ever lived. 
Um, yeah, I don't think that's an embellishment to say to make that statement. And that too is a nice uh, sidebar story. I, I think clearly, and, and this is not to disparage at all uh, uh, what Matt Chapman's done, because Matt Chapman is a tremendous player. You know, Nolan's done it a few years longer. I, I, as I like to say on the air, Nolan's on a Hall of Fame trajectory. I mean, if he does, you know, literally probably three or four more years of what he's done, uh, you, you can probably write his ticket or stamp his ticket to the Hall of Fame. And Matt Chapman has obviously clearly similar ability. Uh, he hits the ball over the wall. He's, he's an absolute uh, amazing defensive player, as, as is Nolan. So, yeah, it's, it's going to be neat. And knowing Nolan, and I don't you guys know Chapman well. I've, I've chatted with him just once or twice. But um, they're, they're always ready to play. That's how, that's how their makeup is. Uh, but there's going to be a little extra juice for them because, heck, you know, they did grow up uh, around each other. They were high school teammates. And, and I'm sure Nolan still wants to, you know, show that, that you know, he's the man, if you will. Uh, but, uh, yeah, that's a great sidebar story as well. This offseason, I was so surprised. And I know we've talked to you about this before in the offseason. But I just want to know, how is the relationship? Because when Arenado signs that contract, you're facing the franchise, as you said, could be in the Hall of Fame someday. Then you retire his number. You put a statue outside of Coors Field. And then they weren't getting along. How is the relationship between the star player and the franchise right now? Well, I think so much has been obscured by you know, this worldwide pandemic that we're all trying to navigate specifically right now, baseball is trying to navigate. Um, so when they reconvened, there wasn't much spoken about it. I, I believe this, and I said this, uh, you know, back in, in February and March it, that winning cures everything. We've all been around sports long enough. Um, you know, sometimes there are rifts, sometimes, uh, you know, there, there are situations where, where guys, um, you know, have a, a situation. And when you win, everything kind of gets swept under the rug. You're talking about highly competitive people. Uh, naturally, we know the players who play are highly competitive, but guess what? The guys in the front office are highly competitive uh, as well. And, and I do think that, uh, you know, if the Rockies have the kind of season that they believe they can have, uh, that will be, you know, become a secondary type of, uh, a situation in that it won't be spoken about uh, as much. And I think time also heals, uh, you know, heals things also. You know, in a 162 game season, I would not give the Rockies and I would not give the Padres and I would not give the Diamondbacks a shot at chasing down the Dodgers. But in 60 games where your warts won't be as, as exposed as much, you got to have the feeling. It, I mean, and, and now 16 teams, you're going to have eight going in for the National League. The Rockies have to have, believe they have a shot, right? Oh, absolutely. And, and the Rockies had this focus, again, going back to the original spring training, that, you know, number one, uh, and I think you guys feel this also, being, a, being out in Oakland, you, you've typically been overshadowed by the Giants. And with with the Rockies, you know, you're overshadowed by the Dodgers in the division. You're overshadowed by the major market teams and, and people that one of the, one of the narratives going back to your question about Nolan and, you know, his, his off season and is he on the trading block? Uh, he has a rift with, 
you know, the general manager. Um, I look at it as if people are saying, well, he wants to win. And I'm like, time out a second. In 17, the Rockies were a playoff team. In 18, they tied the Dodgers after 162 games for the division title. The Dodgers end up winning it in that one-game playoff. And then 19 was a bad year. All teams have bad years, typically, right? I mean, you have a couple, and then all of a sudden there's some injuries, and players don't play up to their normal standards. Next thing you know, you have a poor season. So two of the last three years in a, for a quote-unquote mid-market franchise, they're in the postseason. And, um, you know, I, I come back to that and I say this team believes and it was palpable going back to February and March that they're a postseason team and they're and they're highly motivated uh, to show the baseball world that they're really good again. And that last year was an aberration. You know, we go through the the, the exact same thing. You know, Billy Bean is technically the longest tenured executive as he was hired in 97. And then as the calendar turned right after that, Brian Cashman uh, was hired in 98. And other than a one game, they were behind one game. Basically Billy Bean would send the A's to the playoffs almost 11 out of 20 years. And people act like we have long, we don't have long stretches of losing streaks around here. Hasn't been like that in over 20 years. No, it's it again. You battle the same thing we do. It's perception versus reality. Um, it's it, it almost seems sometimes with uh, you know colleagues of ours that uh, um, from a national perspective that twenty five franchises exist to be AAA affiliates and, and uh, for the you know the four or five major uh, city clubs. You know the Yankees, the Dodgers. We know who. You know, we don't have to identify them. And, uh, and and sometimes when you do have some consistency in winning, as Oakland has, the, the Rockies until last year, the last couple of years prior to that, it, it just kind of gets swept under the rug. And, and I know it's frustrating for those clubs and for people like, you know, you and me who follow the club on a on a daily basis. You say, well, hold on a second. And, you know, don't misidentify, you know, who they are and what they're about and what their accomplishments are. Um, so, you know, we, you know, that, that is, it, listen, it's not going to change. It's the nature of the beast. Uh, you know, the Yankees, the Dodgers, the Red Sox, the Cubs are always going to get the, uh, the lion's share of the attention. Well, I know, you know, Rocky's bringing some very talented guys, Charlie Blackman, Trevor Story. So, uh, Nolan Arenado. So I know it, it's going to be a lot of fun. Let's end on this. Just how great is it to deal with Bud Black on an everyday basis? Um, Buddy, Buddy is such a wonderful uh, person, and he's a he's a really bright guy, and he is a charismatic guy, and he is a very humorous and witty guy. Uh, I one of the disappointing things among a whole long list for everybody out there, whether you work in baseball or not, um, for us as broadcasters, you know the daily interactions with your manager, the daily interactions with players as you kind of do your homework on both sides. You know, if, if, if this were normal uh, right now, uh, you know, I'd be on the field and getting ready to, to watch batting practice and BS with, with uh, you know, some of your guys and some of our guys and visit with Bob Melvin and, and have your daily thing w- with Buddy. And there are so many times I, I try to, uh, I'm not saying this, uh, you know, because it's the right thing to say, but there's so many times, and I've been fortunate to do this for, for a good period of time, that I pinch myself and say, I, I love what I do, man. I love the game of baseball, and I, and I love, you know, 
being among the best uh, to do it in the game. And Buddy Black personifies that in, in every way. He's uh, he's just a joy to be around. He's a heck of a manager on top of it. So uh, I'm glad I'm glad you brought that out. And I miss I miss being able to to literally talk to him every day. I know we have these Zoom calls. When I hey when I can figure out how to get on the Zoom call, then I see Buddy a little bit. <laughs> We've actually been saying I've enjoyed it for post game because usually post game you have a hard time hearing reporters and you just hear the answers of the players. But with the Zoom, you get every question very clear. So I've actually enjoyed that. And by the way, I've told you this before. I really enjoy your guys' broadcast as I'm going around on MLB.com and watching games that are still on. That you guys do a, a really nice job. And and let's and let's face it, if no one's ever been there. Coors Field is a gem. It's one of the most beautiful parks I've ever been there. So if the fact is you just got to go to Coors and work every day, that's not bad, too. No, we, we're really fortunate. They they built, as you said, a gem of a ballpark. We're fortunate in that we live in one of the most beautiful places on Earth. And our weather is uh, – people don't know this, and I, I'm always hesitant to, to let people in other parts of the country know um, – I never look at the weather. It's sunny every day uh, in, in Colorado. We have over 300 days of sunshine a year, and you know you have the mountains in the background, and they've done the upkeep on that stadium. I mean, you could you know you could eat dinner off the floor that of the concourse, and, and believe it or not, now it's the third oldest stadium in the National League to uh, to Dodger Stadium, of course, Wrigley. Wow, that's crazy. Never thought about that, but uh, yeah, yeah, isn't, it, that, uh, isn't that amazing? Yeah, yeah, nobody, nobody would, nobody would you know, generally realize that, but, uh, it is. And I always is, recommend with these new ball. Well, I, I guess it's not a new ballpark anymore, but with the, with the great ballparks is take the tour as a fan, they'll show you the press box. They'll show you the clubhouses. They'll take you on the field. And I know there's like that city ordinance there where there's gotta be X amount of art at the stadium. So there's a ton of art all around the stadium. The tour is fantastic. I've never actually taken the tour, so I guess I need to do that also, though I, I feel like I know it fairly well. Though the interesting thing is, you know, they built, and I don't know if you were there and you were able to go up, you know, to the what is now the, you know, the upper deck where, where they reconfigured it in right field, which I, I'd say it's like the biggest, uh, you know, single scene, especially on the weekend, anywhere in Denver, um, the, you know, the the party deck up it's not the, it's not literally the party deck but um i've only been up there i think one time we were going to do a broadcast up there and they had a shower go through so they ran us back down to the uh to the booth to finish the game um uh, but there there's a it's it's a great ballpark and the fans pour out last year we were sixth in major league baseball in attendance the year before we drew we were just shy of three million last year. We were over three million the year before. So it's a great fan base. And um, yeah, if you're if you're listening in right now, and it, once we get back to normal, and you're thinking about making a road trip. You got to cross. Uh, you got to cross Coors Field off definitely. You had me at party deck. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, that's a fun place up there. Hey, Allegedly, always... I mean, I, I wouldn't know. I'm always <laughs> I'm always looking over there fondly, guys. We, Guys and gals are leaning, uh, leaning over the railing, about eight people deep, with uh, with a cold beverage in their hand, taking in the ballpark and and other sights, shall we say? Well, enjoy the series. It's going to be a good one. Always great to chat with you. We'll be watching you on MLB.com. Be safe, and we'll talk soon. You you got it. Anytime, man. Good luck to you guys. 
You know what we need to do now, Cody? We need to uh, tweet the president, Dave Cavill, and say, hey, that new ballpark, we need a party deck. Uh, I would not be opposed to that, and I'm sure the answer back would be. We're on it. <laughs> Coming up next, the face of the franchise, Ray Fossey on A's Cast Live. Some things just go together. Peanut butter and jelly, cookies and milk, Oakland and Kaiser Permanente. If that last one caught you off guard, it shouldn't, because Kaiser Permanente has been helping keep Oakland healthy since our very beginning. And as the official healthcare partner of the Oakland A's, that won't be changing anytime soon. Whatever you may need, you can trust Kaiser Permanente to help keep you feeling your best. Kaiser Permanente. Thrive. Visit kp.org today. Chevron and its brands are committed to reliably providing fuel to customers, even during an emergency. The safety and health of workers, customers, and the communities where Chevron operates are primary concerns. In Northern California, Chevron and Texaco stations are open for business, supplying quality fuels in a safe manner. This is Chris Townsend for the Chicken Pie Shop of Walnut Creek. During these horrific times, people still need to get food, and the Chicken Pie Shop of Walnut Creek does deliver. Give them a call at 925-322-8799. That's 925-322-8799. Don't forget, their world-famous chicken pie and also all the other pies that they have, you can freeze and have for a long time. So give the pie shop in Walnut Creek a call. You call them at 925-322-8799. And don't forget, you can also get beer, wine, and spirits with your delivery. And you can check out the full menu, chickenpieshopwc.com. That's chickenpieshopwc.com. A's fans, have you seen the great images of our fans all around the Coliseum during NBC Sports California broadcasts? Way back, no doubt, how far will it fly? With our Coliseum Cutouts program, fans can still be a part of the ballpark atmosphere even while watching from home. These awesome cutouts benefit the Oakland A's Community Fund. Learn more about the program at athletics.com slash cutouts. A's fans, let's continue to do our part in stopping the spread of COVID-19. Be sure to wear a face mask when you leave the house. Maintain social distancing and wash your hands frequently. Visit athletics.com backslash resources. For additional resources and information on COVID-19, please stay safe. That's athletics.com backslash resources. The Oakland A's stand in solidarity with the black community against racism and injustice. This season is dedicated to champion organizations that serve the needs of Oakland's black community. The A's will work with local nonprofits focused on racial justice, social reform, African-American youth, and revitalizing Oakland. To learn more about the A's work in the community, visit athletics.com backslash Black Lives Matter. Hi, this is Ramon Laureano. And the throw is going to be in time at the plate. Laureano firing a strike all the way on the And you're listening to Ace Cast, your 24-7 destination for Ace Baseball. I know it's not Wednesday, but we can still have Ray Fossey on Tuesday. Are we still going to play his open for him? 
We didn't last week, but with the way our schedule works, I think we could still play it. I'll try to tweak it and adjust it. Where this Why day. is he not coming on on Wednesday? Well, we didn't have a show last Wednesday or, or tomorrow, so we haven't had a chance to have Fossey on on a Wednesday. We don't have a show tomorrow? There's a day game again. Oh, my God. Are you serious? Yeah, another day game. How many do we have? There's one tomorrow. Then it's an off day Thursday, and then Friday's the night game. And then I'd have to look at the schedule for next week. But um, more more shows more frequently next week. So that's a good thing. I heard back from the great Ken Korak. The three Philadelphia A's. Tris Speaker, Al Simmons, and Ty Cobb. Those are the three Philadelphia A's that were sitting out in the left, uh, what is that, the third base line by right there where that iconic picture was taken over the weekend of uh, – Hermosillo, the left fielder, making that catch, and everyone's talking about that. Uh, like, this is baseball in 2020 with all the teddy bears around. And then the three Philadelphia A's. That's who it was. Speaker, Cobb, and Simmons. So did you see that the teddy bear that was to the right of the Philadelphia Athletics had it had it, had his legs crossed? I did, uh, I'd have to go back and look at the picture. <laughs> you got to go back and look <laughs> <laughs> okay, here's another. So I, I asked Ken Korak why we are playing these odd times. It's because of central teams. My other question is, why are we playing so many day games? <laughs> so let, let you know what? Even though it's not hump day, still play the open. Wednesday is known as hump day for everyone during the work week. But on A's Cast Live, Wednesday means one thing. It's time for 30 uninterrupted minutes with the two-time World Series champion, two-time All-Star, two-time Rawlings Gold Glove winner, A's analyst on NBC California, and the face of the franchise, Ray Fossey. Ray, how are you? Tony, I'm doing well. How are you and Cody doing? We are, we, we are hanging in there. Just happy to have a little baseball back. Absolutely. I agree 100%. And, uh, you know, I was, uh, you know, we are social distancing in our TV booth, as we've talked before. So I came to my little uh, office that I have in the X room. And so I could have some peace and quiet, because the loud loudness of the PA system, it's just overbearing. So I wanted to make sure this was crisp, and uh, got good connection, I assume. So we should be okay. Well, uh, yeah, you, you, you sound great. And, Ray, I got to thank. Uh, you got to be thrilled coming out of a, a four-game set with Anaheim where you take three out of four. So not only do you get off to that good start like you talk about, but you also do it in division. You know, that's a good point, Townie, because uh, with Rendon out for the four games, he was the big signee during the offseason. He did not play in the four games. David Fletcher was a nemesis. And, you know, yesterday, it, it just kept coming down to the big boys coming up with a couple of runners on base, and the game ended with Trout at the plate striking out with two runners on base. And there was always that fear that he or Pujols, even Upton, but, you know, more than anything with Pujols and, and Trout because it hit so many home runs, especially here at the Coliseum against the Athletics, you were concerned about them coming up with the tying run at the plate. Fortunately, the A's bullpen has been just outstanding, and I, I think – all the credit goes to the way Bob Melvin and Scott Emerson have, have maneuvered the bullpen to bring them in. And the starters are not going deep in the game, which is understandable because the pitch counts may be not built up. 
and but the bullpen has been spectacular. I think the credit goes to them for the three wins so far against a very good team, the Angels. And Tony, one thing I'm sure you guys you noticed that Joe Madden, you had hit and run, you had some bunting, you had uh, stolen bases. You know, Joe Madden said in the offseason, and this was before the shortened season occurred. He said he's going to play his normal style of baseball, which is that way, and try to manufacture runs. But also, he has the power in the lineup, but you cannot always expect to hit a home run. Now, Trout did it against Mike Fires on Saturday, uh, Sunday, that is. But, but bottom line, you know, you really can't sit around and wait for that. So, uh, I think it was a great job done by the bullpen. And again, bringing the guys in and up. You know, the surprise for me, Tony, and, and maybe you and Cody noticed as well, when Petit came in, it was to get out of a jam. You know, he's capable of pitching two or three innings, but Bob Melvin had it set up where he would have him get out of a tough situation and then have somebody else come in to start the next inning. Now, whether or not that was because of the three-batter rule or what, but uh, Petit did a spectacular job himself just getting out of the messes. You remember when Ryan Dole was here and he was called the janitor by the skipper because <laughs> he, seemed, he seemed to clean up the messes? Well, you know, he's no longer here, but Petit has done exactly that since he's been with the ball club. So it's a great bullpen. Uh, you know, guys are, are coming in, doing the job. I was happy to see Liam Hendricks be able to come back on Sunday to pick up the save after blowing it on Friday night. But, you know, all good things for the athletics in the four games. Just have to hope that it continues that way and hope that baseball continues in light of what has happened with the uh, Florida Marlins. Yeah, you knew Bert Smith would uh, come in and uh, lead the athletics in victories, right? <laughs> sure. Sure we did. Of course. Yeah, no. That, that that is no that that's that's unexpected but you know we've talked again how the bullpen is going to have to factor in and maybe you're going to get a Cy Young award winner or an MVP out of the bullpen simply because they're going to be called upon maybe all 60 games but definitely in the early part of this abbreviated season you're going to see the bullpens come in and do that and it's just a matter of when they score a run and uh, it's, it's really uh, it has to be uh, except for Friday night when Smith was in and, and uh, only had the, the walk-off grand slam. But the last two games, you're looking at the official scores determination as who gets the win. And I think that's where it really becomes critical for the official score. And in the case of Petit doing his job and Smith doing his job, they both get victories. And, uh, you know, it, it's, just a, it's just a good way to start the season. You know, and, and I think, and I heard you talk about everybody's either two and one, one and two, in the case of some clubs that started out playing four games on Thursday, the two teams, you know, they had a different record. But, you know, the parity and maybe just the fact that it's an abbreviated season, it kind of shows what this sprint is going to be like. And I, I think we're experiencing, but couldn't be happy for the A's to get off the good start. They just have to continue because the Rockies are in town for two games. They're a good ball club. Then they go, A's go up in Seattle before they come back. So it's going to be a tough schedule. You cannot take anybody lightly especially in this type of a season. Even the Orioles are playing well, and nobody expected them to, but who knows? They could get the postseason just based on 60 games. Well, that you know, that's the thing, Ray, is like each team could, could look around and say, you know what, we may stink in 162 games. Like, <laughs> you know, it's like back in the day, you talk about your Indian teams, you knew you guys had no chance. But in 60 games, you could look around and go, hey, all we got to do is get out for a half start and we're in this thing. Look at the Seattle Mariners. I keep I keep talking about the Mariners from 2019. The A's could not beat them. They split in Tokyo. They came back. 
you know, they just could not do anything against the Seattle Mariners. The Mariners, Mariners probably were feeling like we did in Cleveland, getting off to this great start, and then reality sets in, and you end up being in the last place at the end of the season. But uh, 60 games is totally different. Get off to a good start and maintain that. And, you know, you've said it, and I agree with you, and especially in light of what's happening to the Marlins. Again, uh, Fultonavich was uh, designated for assignment. Um, you know, he's going to find a home probably. And by August 31st, you're going to see teams that are going to be either in it or not in it. And you're going to see some moves made based on just trying to get somebody that maybe help them the final 30 games in September or whatever it is in September and, and carry them into postseason. You know, the big question for me about the Marlins is, are they an outlier or yeah. are we going to see this with other teams? Because there's 29 other teams that are doing well. And that's where I wish more people would be, would investigate and not just be spreading so much panic, you know, because whoever got it and spread it, got it while they, this was in summer camp or spring training 2.0, because the guys who came to summer camp and had it, i.e. Glassnow, Lazardo, a couple of guys, they were quarantined, they yeah. recovered, and they're already pitching. So the fact yeah. that guys are getting it right now, somewhere between Tampa, Atlanta, and Philadelphia, did one or two guys get it, either unlucky or were they not following protocols? Where were they going? What were they doing? So that that's what I want to find out before everybody starts spreading the panic everywhere. And you know what? I'll take it back. If all of a sudden this is like five teams have that, but there's just something I mean, as a journalist, you got to look at it. You know, there's 20, there's 29 other teams that feel like they're doing a good job. Why did this happen to the Marlins? The commissioner said exactly what you just said last night in an interview with Tom Verducci. He said the same thing because don't want panic to sit in because they had over 6,000 tests, uh, tests what, since uh, Friday the 24th when basically everybody was playing. And it, I don't know that the test results or how few or whatever, but it was minuscule. But I agree with you. How or why all of a sudden did this one team have this number and nobody else has? And I think that's why the commissioner said, let's not panic, just as you said, and, and let's find out what happened to the Marlins during that period of time. But, you know, the key is, and I, I agree with all these players, just like Matt Olson yesterday. He saw what happened with the Marlins. What did he do? He put on a mask when somebody got at first base because he was in close proximity. Uh, so even at that point, he was two or three feet off the bag and same with Albert Pujols playing at first base. So guys are taking precautions. Uh, Mike Trout got on base and he called timeout to put on a mask and put on his, his oven mitt. So he took a little bit extra time, but he was not going to be on the base paths, especially close at first base with Matt Olson and the umpire, even the first base coach. He wanted to protect himself. And that's what he did. And, and it sure slows down the game, but who cares? You know, you, yeah. you take precautions. And I think that's the biggest thing. But, uh, you know, I saw Brian Butterfield, third base coach for the, uh, for the Angels. As he came in after the half inning, he would stop about 20 feet from the dugout, put it, pull his mask out, put it on before he went in the dugout. So he was thinking about it. And I, I think that's what you have to do. And I think that's what is happening around baseball. Uh, with the majority of players, and obviously the majority of the teams, they are doing it, policing themselves, and I think that's something that has to be looked at and what these players are doing 
as they go forward. But I agree 100%, going back to your original statement, they need to find out what happened to Marlins. Now, Tony, there was somebody uh, who contracted it and showed up positive. He said, yeah, I'm, I went to a birthday party. Well, you go to a birthday party, you know, what are you doing? And you're not, well, I don't know what they do, but obviously he admitted, and it was a player who came in and, and tested positive, and he said, I was at a birthday party. Well, fortunately, it sounded like this was during the summer camp that he got tested, tested positive. They quarantined him until he, he, he t- tested negative for back-to-back days or whatever. But, but, you know, they just really have to realize that this is 60 games and postseason. It's, it's, a, it's an anomaly. It, it's something that's out of the ordinary. You have to play it like it is, and then hopefully, God willing, go forward and everything back to normal. But right now, you really have to be disciplined and make sure that how many how many guys have you heard, Tony, where their families have stayed home and they're here playing themselves because they did not want to take a chance, especially the, the families that with children. They, they wanted to make sure that when they travel, when they're at their ballpark, they didn't want to go back to their house or wherever they're staying and take the chance of, uh, of their children or our family's wife getting it, whatever. So it's all about discipline. And I think the A's are doing a very good job of that. They're policing themselves. Just like you police, we used to police ourselves around the batting case, taking batting practice. Now it's a different story because you have to do it on the field, but you also more importantly have to do it off the field. And I think from what we're seeing with the athletics, at least they're doing their job. And, and if you're going to take, I mean, there's not really a positive to take here, but just kind of a warning sign for anybody who was thinking of, about letting down, you know, the other 29 teams need to look at what's happened with the Marlins and say, guys, you know, Matt Olson, hits a walk off home run. We can't all run up and, and, and touch him. Yeah. You know, you guys got to, we, they've given us the protocols. We have to abide by the protocols at all times on and off the field. And Tony, that's a great point again, because, you know, you get caught up in the moment and, you know, you see guys when they hit home runs, they give the, the air high five and air elbow or whatever, but you have to remember, and we had a shot in the dugout on Friday night. They were not social distancing. I mean, it it seemed like it was just a normal game. Everybody sitting close together. They had those X's there for a reason in both dugouts and, you know, they were, they were not following, but, but, you know, you get caught up in the moment, but you really have to think twice about it because, this can happen. Now, let's, let's fast forward, Tony. There have been some talk about, let, let's say it's on a percentage basis of how many games you play and based on how many uh, wins you have and losses is a percentage thing. I think from what I'm hearing, and I hope it's true, that let's say the Yankees and, and um, or the Yankees and Phillies and the Marlins and the Orioles losing games, make them up. Play double headers. You know, let, let's have a level playing field where everybody has the same number of games instead of maybe a team not playing seven or eight and dropping their total down to 52, 53 versus a team that plays the full 60. And if it's by percentage, you know, make them play. If, if they, if they had that many tests positive, there is a reason. And I assume there's a reason, but I still don't think you have those, a throwaway games, just make them up on an off day on a doubleheader, do something to make them up. So you try to have at least at the end, of September, well, September 27th, the final day of the regular season, that most, if not all, teams have the same number of games played. Ray, how could you ask anybody to play two games in one day? <laughs> well, you just won't see a catcher play. Well, you know, they have the players. They have the players to do it. And, and come on, you know, if, if – hi, right, come on. 
<laughs> yeah, maybe a catcher won't catch two games, but a doubleheader. And listen, there's a reason there are no doubleheaders anymore is because of the gates. You know, hey, the O2 for one, you know, let's go watch two games for the price of one. That doesn't happen anymore. You know that. But I, I think, again, under these circumstances, you have to make some some changes, adapt to the situation. And if it means you're playing two games, if it means that you're flying someplace and you stop in and play a game that you miss or two games that you missed in a doubleheader, why not? Come on. I mean, you're only playing 60 games max anyway. So it's not like you're playing a full season. So 60 games, that's nothing. And, and, and I, I didn't know it, and I, I don't pat myself on the back, don't like to, but, you know, to start the first 50 games of the 1973 season, I started all 50, you know. So I didn't want an off day, and Dick Williams made sure I didn't get one. I was very happy because the only way you can produce, especially offensively and defensively, is if you play every day. Look at Marcus Simeon, just how great he has played on both sides of the baseball. He's had, what, a 247, 248 consecutive games. You know, he doesn't have to look at the lineup, just comes in, gets ready to play and plays the game, knowing that he's going to be in the leadoff spot, as it turns out, and he's going to play the game. That makes you a better player when you play every day because you can feel good about going – Not well, I'm not saying you're going to feel good about going over for 4, but if you do, you don't have to worry about looking over your shoulder and saying, uh-oh, I went over for 4, am I in the lineup the next day? Marcus Simeon doesn't have to. And the same with Cal Rickman Jr. when he had his long streak. Anybody that plays every day will tell you it's much easier to play the game. So play the game, play 60, however you're going to do it, play 60 and let's get on with it in August and September because the month of July is coming to a very, very close, a quick close this weekend. And then we're going to get in August and September and, you know, but I can't wait till August 31st, like you talked about Tony, to see what clubs are going to be doing at that period of time. Ray, you're in your seventies and you want to broadcast every game. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I, I was checking the uh, the schedule that Matt Grohl put out, and I'm hopeful that he missed the game. Uh, and, you know, I, I'm on there doing nothing. I've got to talk to him, see if he revised the schedule, because I'm going to tell him I'm going to work anyway. You know, so yeah, th- th- that's it. You, you work every day because, you know, whether you're playing and you try to produce, or in my case, as a broadcaster, I don't want to miss something. You know, we're missing something now because we can't go on the field. We can't go in the clubhouse. We can't talk to anybody. I had to yell at Mike Gallego yesterday from the broadcast booth. And Mike Trout on, uh, I think it was Saturday, looked up and gave me a five. You know, I said, how are you doing and all that? But, you know, that's the tough part because you'd like to get downstairs and talk to people because you pick up stuff that, I, in my case, you know, or anybody in broadcasting can use in broadcast. I know Vince, uh, Vince Petronio talked about the same thing, Ken Corey. You know, we, we all do the same thing. Glenn Kuyper, Dallas Braden. But we can't do it. We're tier three, which means we have to stay in the press box. But that's the tough part of being able to do these games. So, yeah, I want to do all 60. I don't want to miss something because maybe you're going to see something in a game just like Friday night. Just think I wasn't doing that game, Tony. And for the first time in the history of baseball, the 10th inning came around, the runner started the second. <laughs> you know? I mean, how strange was that? And to miss that, being here personally and missing that, that would have been very upsetting because you would never have seen it firsthand. But fortunately, I got a chance to. I bet when people thought, all right, this is what we're going to do. We're going to put a runner on second for every team in extra innings. And the first time it happens, I guarantee you the people who are implementing this and coming out with it had no idea that, 
huh, the ball's going to be hit to the first baseman. First baseman's going <laughs> to throw it to the third baseman, and they're going to nullify the run on the very first time. They're going to nullify the runner, I should say, on the very first time they ever imp- implement it. Isn't that great? I mean, that's such a heads-up play. And, and I know uh, both Matt Olson and Matt Chapman had talked about it during the offseason. But you know what? It, it's different. It, you, you have to know, if you're at second, how hard is the ball hit to the right side? And you have to be well aware of that. And I think Otani got about halfway and realized, uh-oh, ball was hit hard. They're coming to third base. But, you know, it was hit hard by Walsh. And, sure, Matt Olson made a sharp play, quick play, and threw to, to Matt Chapman. And, you know, from Ole to Chapman, two gold glovers, a platinum and a gold glove, they get the out. And that was huge. And, uh, you know, as, as it turned out, they ended up getting the bases loaded and intentionally walked Mike Trout to get to Otani and, and strike him out. But, you know, the, all those things uh, – you know, it, 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 it is strange, but, you know, I've been in that situation where you assume, and that's a hard word to even use in baseball, you cannot assume anything because as soon as you do, you think about ball hits the right side, it's easy, they're going to get the sure out of first base. Be careful because their mind, in their mind, if they're smart, and obviously Matt Olson was smart enough to realize how hard the ball was hit, he's got an accurate throw, accurate arm to third base. Matt Chapman was there waiting for it. They get Otani in a rundown. All of a sudden, just like you said, here's this new rule, and you've got the runner at second base already eliminated. And you notice that Joe Madden, they, that, that's the case too, I think, Tony, where you have the visiting team needs to try to score as many runs as possible because you play for one run, then the team, the home team in this case, you know, they get one, they tie, and they go back to the 11th, and uh, here we go again, or score two and the game is over. But in the case of the Angels didn't score, all the A's needed was one. They ended up getting the four in the grand slam. But I agree with you that that probably uh, for the uh, – was it on Saturday? There were four t- four t- uh, games that ended up being in a tie. But of the five total counting the A's on Friday, not one game went beyond 10 innings. So from that standpoint, there was not an extension of the game. You didn't have to worry about position players pitching. And you were able to have a little excitement in the game, especially in strategy with the runner starting at second base. Yeah, for a post-game show host, it's a dream to make sure all these games <laughs> end in 10. By the way, Fosse, I have an update on your schedule. Are you ready? Yes, sir. You're working that game. Oh, good. I'm Matt glad. Pearl, Matt, Matt, Matt Pearl texted us, uh, you're working that game. Well, good. I was, I was going to text him or call him and say, because there was a game um, – there was a possibility that we might televise the second game against the Giants. We did not. So that did not put me on the schedule. So um, I did call him and he said, no, there was a revised schedule. I was on it. So evidently there's a, a the revised have me, has me on this one. So I'm glad you told me. I want to work all of them. Definitely. Definitely want to work all of them. Or I was going to invite you to my house and you could have done it from my house. <laughs> no, sir. No, I'll, I'll be here. And, uh, you know, it, it's, it, it's different, obviously with no fans in the stands and, you know, you mentioned uh, before we came on about uh, so many day games. Day games at the Coliseum are so special, and that's what is missed by these fans not being able to come out because to look down and see families and seeing the, the, the tailgating of the parking lot coming in, I mean, I'm talking early because I normally get to the park early anyway, but to see people tailgating and then to come in the park once the gates open and you see the fans there. And, you know, it takes me back to my, my younger days when I would go to St. Louis and watch the Cardinals play. And, and be able to sit in the seats and watch batting practice. And that's when they actually took infield practice. That was a lot of fun. But, you know, that is missed now. And I'm sure the fans are missing that. But 
we're going to get back to normal. Fans are going to be able to come out and watch baseball, watch their favorite team play, and I think it's going to be great when they do. But, man, you know, no football to play with. has a field just immaculate. And uh, it, it's, it's really fun to be here and to see this team play and start out as well as they have. Uh, Ray, please tell me the Charlie O donkey cutout is your favorite. <laughs> it, it's, that, now, that's behind the visiting uh, visiting team, right? Behind yeah, the visiting dugout. Can you imagine you're this young visiting <laughs> pitcher, and you're turning around, and you're looking at this meal, and you're going, what the hell is this? <laughs> well, Ty brought it up the other night when we showed it, and he was correct. At Americana Hotel in New York in the 73 World Series, and, and I told you before, here's Charlie O, the mule, with a stable right in the Americana Hotel lobby right there. And people, what is going on with this mule in the lobby? Well, the Oakland A's were in town, and Charlie, <laughs> Charlie made sure that that mule – and, you know, think about it, Tony. He was, uh, he was stabled here in the Bay Area. So Charlie put him on a flight to send him to New York for the World Series, games three, four, and five against the Mets. So you think about that. Uh, and, and, and Charlie O'Neill was taken care of quite well. But, uh, uh, yeah, it, it was, um, that was that was pretty unbelievable to see him. But, you know, it, the cardboard cutouts, while it's great to have them there, um, it, it's still just not the same. I, I read today that someone actually had their cutout hit. Was it a foul ball? And so they get they get an autographed baseball or something like that. So, you know, Dave Cavill, the president, and, and you know, the, the front office, Matt Pro guys are doing things to at least make it interesting because I, I think the fact that the money's going to charity, and uh, uh, I think that's a good point. Tony, did I ever tell you about the Angels? Uh, when Angels in the outfield was filmed here at the Coliseum, speaking of like Charlie O'Neill, the young player, did I ever tell that story? Because it was so great when the Angels came in in September, they had the September call-ups. They were getting the visiting clubhouse ready for the movie Angels in the Outfield. So they had this entire Mikey Thalblum's clubhouse all set up just like it was the Angels clubhouse. So these young players getting the September call-ups walked in and said, wow, do they do this in every park? Were they <laughs> but, but, uh, but the movie was filmed here even though it's the angels, but that was the most unbelievable thing that I've seen. But, but I agree with you having the, the Charlie or the mule behind the dugout of the visiting players. I think that is tremendous. Great, great location for him. I'm glad he's positioned there versus the home side because it wouldn't have the same impact if it's on the home side, but on the visiting side. Yeah. Look around. And, you know, usually, and what we've seen or saw in the four games, the starting pitchers are gathered in the tent, behind the, the dugout and which is good because they're not going to play they're not going to be in the game you got four of them why take up space in the dugout where they can be there and 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 give the space to the players who are either on the field or maybe a position player who might be going into a game and it's, they're all together they can talk the game they can talk pitching but they're not in the dugout taking up some space so i think that's been uh, admirable for both sides you know we saw with the angels the same way and how about with the Somebody decorated the A's fans with angel gear, you know, with the uh, angel stuff during the uh, down by behind the angels dugout. So, you know, it, it's kind of making it creative in a sense, uh, but it still doesn't really make up for the, the lack of fans being here, especially on those beautiful day games that you're talking about. And the question that you ask about why so many day games, the A's have always accommodated the visiting team on travel day so they don't get in late. That is the biggest thing. And I, I'm happy that the A's are doing that. I'm disappointed 
that other teams don't follow suit. And if, and if I were, you asked me several weeks ago, if I were commissioner, what I would do, well, I'm going to add to that. I would insist that every getaway game be a day game. So you don't have teams traveling to the next city, getting in at three or four in the morning. And sometimes that's what happens, especially in the case of the A's who go East. All right, Ray, I'll see you in the pregame. Sounny, your best. And Cody, I know you're there. I know you're getting all set up. So congratulations, both of you doing great jobs. And I'm, I'm glad you told me I'm working that game so I can mark it down. See you, Ray. Take care, buddy. Yeah, we're channeling people's schedule. I mean, we do a lot of stuff here. We're people helping people is what we do on this program. You want to we score? multitask. You want to score? Speaking of multitasking, you want a score update? The two Ray, hit wit. Two hit, multi hit wit with a three run homer. The, uh, of the, program. the Rays are up 4 1 on the Braves. And the Mets have the bases loaded with, with two outs, up one on the Red Sox in Fenway. Is it too soon to hit the panic button in Boston? Because they're not playing well. And also not playing well. The World Series champion, Washington Nationals. They're, I think, I believe they're 1 and 3. They're down 3 1. Vlad Guerrero Jr. hit his. Uh, first home run of the season. I think it's time to hit the panic button. You know who doesn't hit the panic button? Matt Chapman. And he's next right here on A's Cast Live. Now back to A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. Well, he's one of the special talents in the game. He's an all-star. He's won two gold gloves. He's won two platinum gloves. The youngest guy ever to do it. He is a star in the making. He can do it all. That's your third baseman, Matt Chapman. And here's my conversation with him earlier today. Matt, we always appreciate the time. And I know taking three or four from the Angels after all this talk this offseason about slow starts. You're not out, you know, you're not off to a slow start. How good was it to take three of four and do it from a division rival? It felt great to get those first three, uh, you know, win the series. Uh, I think that's going to be huge for us this season is, you know, we do have a lot of four game series and Two, two out of two just isn't going to cut it this year, you know, especially with how how uh, short the season is and how much pressure is on every game. So, you know, we're notorious for a little bit of a slow start, but taking three out of four feels really good, and I think we have a lot of room to improve as well. What has it been like this start? As you just mentioned right there, you know, the pressure right out of the gate, you're, you're in a pennant race already. How has this been different than the other years for you? It's, it's definitely a different with, uh, you know, obviously no fans in the stadium. Uh, a lot of the different protocols starting the season this late in the year. Hopefully it's starting the season this late it's giving us the late season mojo that we usually have. <laughs> but um, it's, it's just been, uh, it's been, it's been weird. You know, you, you can prepare as much as you want for something like this, but until we get out there and start playing, it's hard to really know what it's going to be like. And we're trying not to put too much pressure on ourselves because we know that, hey, there's expanded playoffs. Uh, you know, all we got to do is get in. Um, but I, I know that that's not what our goal is. Our goal is to win this division. And I think that uh, jumping right into a playoff race is something that, you know, we all really enjoy. And hopefully, uh, you know, our team does well under pressure. So I think it's only going to help us. 
You know, now that I've been watching this and watching what's going on with the league, and obviously we know what's happened with the Marlins, when people have said that, oh, there should be an asterisk for this season, I'm like, uh, I'm turning the other way. This might be the toughest World Series to ever win because of the pandemic, because of the craziness, because you're going to have 16 teams. You got to go through more people than ever. I'm not buying the asterisk. What do you think? This might be the toughest championship ever to win. Yeah. If if it if not the toughest, it's up there for sure because you know you 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 said it the the virus this has been a crazy year 2020 has been uh, definitely a year nobody could predict and everybody's had to deal with their things uh, no matter what it is um, also expanded playoffs more teams in the playoffs uh, more games you have to win to win a World Series and to say that there's an asterisk I don't think it's fair because you know, everybody put their work in, everybody kept working hard through the quarantine. And, you know, that's the way life goes. Sometimes it's not going to be a perfect season, but you know, if we're, if this thing doesn't count, why would we be playing it? You know, that's what I think. And we're playing it. We're here, we're showing up and everybody's working hard for the same goals. It feels real to me. So uh, I think that there's no asterisks and it's going to be whoever wins that thing at the end of the year is going to hold it proud. You know, that's the one thing that I say about you on our show all the time is that as much as everybody wants to get three, four hits a game and hit a home run, you come to the ballpark every day, not about your statistics, you come to win. And I remember like you didn't have the greatest day at the plate and no one was more happy for Mike Fires throwing that no-no. Talk about for you, it's not about statistics. You come to win. Definitely. I mean, it's something that you, uh, you have to um, manage for sure because obviously everybody wants to get their get theirs. Uh, but I think uh, you know if you focus on winning and you focus on what you can control, uh, and that's you know preparing yourself as best you can to have success and help the team win. And I guess it helps that uh, you know defensively I can help out, so it's not always one sided with offense. But yeah, for for me, you know I feel like we're a team and we're a family and. You know, we put all this work in together and uh, it's about winning a World Series. That's what you that's when you're a little kid and you, you know, when you're growing up, that's what you think about is winning. You don't think about, you know, the personal statistics. I think if uh, if you take care of uh, going out there and giving it everything you got to win, the other stuff falls in place. And that's not to say that, you know, I don't care about, you know, what I do. Obviously, I do. And uh, it still weighs on me. But, you know, I think that uh, at the end of the day, if we win the game, I can I can go home happy about that. You know, people talk about chemistry and you guys got a three headed monster in that infield and you guys know each other so well that you don't have to verbally, you just guys know each other. And I think, you know, here you are extra innings. We've never had a guy on second base to start extra innings. It's history. I mean, it's going to be a trivia question someday. Uh, What was the first one? And to think the play Olsen made, and then he won Hopsha and you pick it. It's, but it's the communication. You guys don't have to verbally have it. You guys just know mentally. What is that like the chemistry between you, Marcus and Olsen? It's great. It's nice to be able to, you know, have now, you know, I played with Olsen in the minor leagues. So me and him have been playing together for like five years. And then to have Marcus now is our fourth year together. Um, 
it's just it's nice to have that kind of comfortability with the guys you know we just kind of give each other a look and it's like hey i'm coming over here and we we know how to space each other out you know where to be in certain situations so it's nice to to be that comfortable with each other and uh the 10th inning thing with me and olsen uh it's something we've been talking about for a while me and him always like mess around with like different kind of plays and like talk talk to each other about certain scenarios and what can happen and olsen's you know he's pretty ridiculous over there at first base so there's nothing that is hit his way that i don't think he can't do so he we knew that uh you know walsh was coming up there in that situation obviously trying to get the runner uh otani over to third base uh so he naturally he's trying to pull the ball and so I, that allowed me to cheat over towards third base a little bit because I didn't really feel like the ball was coming my way. And if it was, it might be a pop-up because he missed it. But Olsen, uh, he kind of gave me the look, and I, I knew what he meant when he looked at me. It was just like, hey, let's if the ball gets hit hard to me right here, let's throw him out at third. Let's do that play. So we work on it sometimes where it's either a hot shot or a bunt when he tries to come to third and catch the guy off guard. So I think that's going to come into play big time this year with the rules. Um, definitely a uh, going to take some getting used to having a runner start off at second base but you know for I really thought that uh, that would kind of bother me but I didn't really mind it it was kind of interesting and made things exciting so I mean it's uh, definitely plays to our advantage if we could play fundamental defense yeah the first time it ever happens you immediately nullify the guy which was really really cool and like I said that's going to be a trivia question someday and you know when we talked to you at spring training you mentioned like I'm like the earliest ever to win two platinum gloves, you can fact check me. We fact checked you. You are correct. You are the youngest guy to win two. That's pretty cool. I mean, that's, uh, I might've been talking out of my butt a little bit there, but uh, I mean, I, at least I got the facts to back it up. <laughs> well, yeah, uh, your high school teammates coming to town. He's got seven, yeah. you got two. You both went to El Toro High School in Lake Forest, California. Was he's he a got, senior? He's got seven gold gloves. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, he's got seven. Was he a senior and you were a sophomore? Yeah, yeah, he was. Um, man, that's crazy. Seven gold gloves, three platinum gloves, huh? Yeah, he's had a pretty good career. Not too shabby. <laughs> Who played what? He played. Did he play short and you played third? Uh, he played shortstop. I played a little bit of third, a little bit of second. Shortstop when maybe he got pulled out of the game for throwing his helmet or something. DH'd a little bit. I pretty much just played wherever they'd let me. But I uh, I was pretty underdeveloped for being 15 years old. So I was uh, I was just happy to be there. And Nolan was uh, obviously doing big things already at that age. So to be able to go from there and now, geez, that's a – 12 years later, we're here. I mean, if you take it even further back, me and him played against each other in Little League one time in the championship game of like, uh, called like the Tournament of Champions, like like a playoffs for Little League teams. And both of our teams made it from our Little League and we ended up facing each other in the finals. And I was like nine and he was 12. And his team won. But it's crazy to think that we were playing against each other you know, that long ago. And now it's almost like, you know, 18 years later, we're playing against each other tonight. Yeah. I mean, what, 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 what do you think that's going to be like? like? Like, let's say you hit a triple and you're like standing there and you're like, I mean, you're high school teammates, I man, it's crazy. 
I know it's a trip, you know, and uh, our, our families obviously know each other pretty well. Um, and his little brother's friends with my sister. So we got a, and his older brother is friends with our family. So we're pretty close with them. And uh, it'll be, it'll be fun to play against Nolan. I know he, uh, how competitive he is. And I know he's going to want to uh, get the best of me. So I got to, I got to try to one up him. You know, let's end on this. You know, the bottom line is we're probably not going to see a whole lot of innings anytime soon from starting pitchers. So that's going to put a lot on the bullpen. And you think in 20 and a third innings, your bullpen's only given up one earned run. The ERA for the, for the bullpen is 0.44. Talk about all these guys coming out of the bullpen and just how, how impressive they have been for you guys. Uh, they've been very impressive to come out of the gates hot like that and pick us up, especially in some situations where, Hey, you know, we've, we've brought guys in in tough spots to get out guys. And when you're facing a lineup like the angels, there's really no let up. Uh, they got guys that can handle the bat. They got guys that have power. Um, they got everything, you know, they're, they were, they were missing Rendon, but I mean, David Fletcher fills that role really well. I mean, he's hitting. 600 against us his batting average against us is probably 800 he doesn't get out against us but so they they have a ton of guys they're a great team i mean when you got mike trout otani pujols rendon i mean the upton that's a that's a legit team and they got so for our bullpen to come in there and you know keep those guys off balance and shut the door like that that was huge um and I, you know, I know sometimes at the beginning of the year, it's hard to, you know, jump right into a season and be dialed in. But these guys, they've been taking their work seriously. And we got a good group of guys and they're, uh, they all pick each other up and they, they know what their role is. And when they come into the game, they know how they're going to attack guys. So their preparation has definitely paid off. You know, it's cool about that when you say, oh, they got Trout and they got Otani. That's what people are saying about you guys. They got Chapman, they got Olsen, they got Simeon, they got Canna, they got Loriano. Hey, this Murphy kid behind the dish can hit the ball 500 feet. That's what other teams are now saying about you guys. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. We, uh, you know, we we don't think of, of ourselves like that, which is probably a good thing. Um, but, you know, I, I know, uh, you know, we're getting past that point of being young kids in this league, and now it's kind of our time to, you know, we need to put – make our mark so i think uh pretty cool to be uh to see where we started and where we're at now and i think it's just uh because of all the hard work we've put in as a team and the coaches have uh given us a lot of opportunities to get better and really worked with us so uh, i think it's just a good combination of a, just a good group top to bottom throughout this organization and hopefully uh you know this uh three and three and one start is just a foreshadowing of what this season holds for us we always appreciate the time. Be safe, keep winning, and we'll talk to you soon. Sounds good. Thanks for having me. Well, you heard it. That was your two-time Platinum Glove winner, Matt Chapman, with Townie on Ace Cast Live. And he, uh, he's a special player, and he has a part of a special infill with Marcus Simeon and Matt Olson and now himself, and can't wait to keep watching them playing for years to come. Now, PG&E's frontline workers take the field every day, responding to the needs of our East Bay community. We're happy to honor all of the five tool players from PG&E who have shined through the COVID-19 pandemic. Today, we'd like to honor lineman and longtime Ace fan John Chen. Thank you, John, for all you're doing on the front lines for our community. Well, hopefully next, uh, Tommy's back, and we'll get into buying or selling next right here on A's Cast Live. 
Hey, this is Fred of the B-52s, and whenever my flying saucer is over Oakland, I listen to A's Cast Live. Streaming from the town, A's Cast Live continues with Chris Townsend. That's a good question. Can you pick up A's Cast in a UFO? That's what to find out. That's a good question. Uh... I'm actually really trying to think about that now. That should not be a difficult question, but it seems like it is being one to me right now. Well, um, I, the, the reason why I would say that is that their technology is so advanced, it would be like, this is going to be a really bad analogy because they're way, 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 way advanced. But it'd be like you have a brand new car and someone says, here's a cassette tape. And you go, "I can't, how am I going to play this in my new car? Plus, if, if they want to have if they have the problem of not being in the uh, Bay Area, all they gotta do is hover uh, Oakland in the Bay Area, and they'll be able to listen to us live because they're in Northern California. So there you go. Can they pick up a stream? I mean, I would I would think so. Their technology, as you mentioned, could be so far advanced where yeah, it's so advanced. They're looking at us; they don't even know what this stuff is. They're like, what a stream? What the, what's a stream? I mean, hey, if they're listening, great. That just uh, that helps our, as they'd say, our cum and uh, time spent listening. All these. Words that casual listeners probably don't understand what what the heck we're talking about, but we know what it is, and it's important to us. And unique downloads and listens, so we appreciate everyone listening to Ace Cast Live. Okay. The thing that I love about that kid is the fact that he truly, it's not fake. There's nothing fake about him. He comes to bring it every single day. You know, one of the rare treats we get when we're having a normal season and we can do A's cast live from the field is the battle between Bob Melvin and Matt Chapman every single day as Bob hits fungos to him and Bob just rifles fungos at him. And he does this one where he goes to his left. And it's this competition. He, he I mean. I'm not going to say that not everybody wants is wants to compete and be a competitor, but there's different levels. There's different levels of, of how bad you want it. This thing isn't about stats. This thing isn't about money. He wants to win. Because there's a lot of players out there, let's face it. You lose, but you go two for four, you're going home happy. Your team loses its fourth in a row, but you just went three for four with a bomb and a double. You're good. That's not how he's wired. He's not a me guy. He comes to the park to beat the other team. And so does Matt Olson. And so does Marcus Simeon. Ramon Laureano has a football player mentality. How about Mark Canna? Bat flipping season. That's what makes this course special is they're about winning. They're not a bunch of individuals. You got these teams of it. You've had these teams that make, you know, big payrolls, big names on the back of their jersey, but they're just a bunch of me guys. Those teams don't win. They can win games, but they're not going to win championships. To be the best, everybody's got to everybody's got to buy in. Everybody's got to be pulling from the same rope. 
And Chapman's one of those guys that, let's face it, from what I've heard before, if he doesn't feel you're pulling on that rope, you're going to hear from him. You got he he reminds me in a way of a younger Josh Donaldson. Obviously, more talent. Um, JD didn't blossom till a, a later age. But I guarantee you, if you're down in that clubhouse and he doesn't feel that you're in the same, because I've been there traveling with the team. He leads that place. He's the one that when they have certain songs they play after wins, he's the one playing them. He's the guy. And it's kind of why Olsen works so well. It's because Olsen doesn't have to be, look at me, I'm the guy. Matt Chapman's a leader. He's a tough guy. Olsen's just extremely talented. And they work so well together. And with Marcus. It's a special time. This is their time. Windows are only open for so long. And this is their time. And the Rockies come in. Interesting club. I don't love their pitching. But they've got, I mean... They got guys that can swing it, but I didn't know this until looking at my notes. Did you know that Trevor Story is the only Rocky to hit a home run this year? Bet you didn't know that. I didn't because I'm still. I was because I was going to actually ask you what this uh, stat you wanted to bring up to me was about relief. Oh, pitching. this is this is for you. How much time do we have left? Uh, we got about six minutes. Do you have buying or selling? I have a couple, yeah, but you can. Give, I want to hear this. I've been waiting for two and a half hours for this relief stat. Extremely small sample size theater. Teams have shifted in 2020 in total about 24% more than the pace at what they did last season. They're on pace, prorated, of course. For 61,280. Last year, there were 40. So if this was on this pace, if it was 162 games, they would shift over 61,000 times. Last year, there was 49,390. We're shifting even more than last year. I knew you'd enjoy that. Well, I mean, we're seeing what we're seeing format outfields. We're seeing four man. We had the six man outfield against Miguel Cabrera. Yeah, actually, I pull it here. I'll play real quick. It's short. This is uh, the HUD man and Steve Fiziok talking about the uh, six or seven man, however you want to look at it, man outfield on Miguel Cabrera yesterday. Look at that. That is because of the lack of speed because of Miguel Cabrera's knee that they play him straight ahead. But three of the infielders are well on the outfield grass. I am not so sure that I've ever seen that before. Have you? I don't think so. Not that many guys. Wow. So there it is. The okay, HUD man. I'm, look, I'm looking at it right now. Franco, the third baseman, is well off the dirt. Mondesi, the shortstop, well off the dirt. Two-hit wit, well off the dirt. First baseman, O'Hearn, is on the dirt. There's only one infielder on the dirt. So technically... How do we, how do we know you're an infielder? Do you have to be on the dirt to be to be considered an infielder? And who would have that answer? 
probably an official score maybe because I saw yesterday Chapman was playing real deep, but he was almost on the outfield grass during one of the events. These guys are not close to the infield. They're at least five yards off the infield. Well, it's the same so po- technically there were seven outfielders. Uh, well, I mean, I told you the Rays or the Royals are buying into the analytics. Mike Matheny, completely different manager now with the Royals as he was with the St. Louis Cardinals. And yeah, the Rays, I told you earlier, I was reading stuff about how the Rays were considering maybe using a two man outfield. I mean, talk about an extreme, a guy that hits the ball on the ground. You're expecting to hit the ball on the ground in the infield. We're only going to have two outfielders. God bless Kevin Kiermeyer and, and Austin Meadows. if that's who they're going to have in the outfield chasing after balls. If it's hit out there. You're going to need like Willie Mays and Ken Griffey Jr. or like Jim Edmonds or <laughs> yeah. you're going to pull that off. Yeah, that's uh, that's pretty – I mean, Kevin Kiermeyer is one of the best defensive outfielders, if not the best defensive outfielder in baseball. And then, you know, Austin Meadows is a good hitter. I don't know about his defense. That he was I wouldn't say he was beloved in Pittsburgh, but he only played small sample size. But, yeah, I don't know how you're able to pull a two-man outfield off in, in a modern-day Major League Baseball game. So you go to MLB.com, and it's uh, it's on the right-hand side, and you click it, and you can see a picture of what it looks like. And it kind of makes sense because unless Miguel Cabrera is going to hit a cue shot, he can't run anymore. So if he hits a ground ball, you're going to be able to snatch it up. I mean, it's the same thing that gets me about Marcus Simeon. They put Marcus Simeon in right field, and the ball gets hit to him, and he picks it up and throws it out, and you need to score that 6-3, but yet he was playing right field. Yeah, I was going to say that. Like, if you want to ask the question about what considers you an outfielder, just be like, your counter could be, well, Marcus Simeon's playing in right field when he's throwing guys out, and we're still counting it, you know, as a as a, a pulled off for the shortstop. So it's interesting. You got to find the right people to ask that to. And well, technically, they're going to be, you know, because I just answered my own question right there. I have to score it six three, but then I, for my personal use, will put an S in the top left-hand corner of the box so I know that it was a shift and I know Marcus was in right. Okay, well, that, that makes sense. That's easier for you to understand if you have your own system down for, especially with the S in the corner. Earlier you mentioned that the three teams that lead in home runs. Who was number one in home runs with teams hit? for What team was number one with home runs hit this year? Was it Detroit? No, they all have eight. Oh, they have eight? Well, the Detroit has two more tonight, so they might be your major league leader in home runs. Wow. <laughs> uh, buying or selling Detroit is the new Minnesota. Oh, um, and that's all without Miguel Cabrera hitting home runs. He has one uh, selling. I think the Royals and our guy, two uh, multi-hit wit because he had a three-run bomb earlier. Uh, they're, they're both hitting home runs. And I didn't. I, I can't say it. I saw the Royals and uh, Detroit hitting this many home runs <laughs> this season, but it's a good step for their development uh, for sure. Who will have a bigger series, Arenado or Chapman, the two high school teammates? Well, if I'm going to go, I'm going to go strictly off of pitching. I'm going to take Chapman because I don't. I'm with you. I don't trust the Rockies uh, pitching. No offense to Santazala and Herman uh, uh, Marquez, who is probably the Rockies' best pitcher. That's who we're going to see today and tomorrow. Versus Mangden and and um, and Frankie Montas. I would I would take I would take Chapman, but Arenado hasn't a home run yet because you as you said, it Trevor Story is the only Rocky with a home run, which. Still is incredible knowing that they're they supposed they usually hit more home runs than most teams. Uh, they only have one. I don't think that's going to last for much longer. I'm not saying it's going to start this series, but someone's going to another home run soon. That's not Trevor Story. 
Well, I'm just going to tell you this. Uh, Arenado is two for nine with three walks and no extra base hits heading into this game. Yeah, that's not going to last. Although we did look up his, his splits. He's not a he's like a 265 career hitter coming into the season away from from the mountain. So we'll see what he does. I'm I'm sorry. I'm, I'm actually looking the the Twins have the bases loaded with two outs. So I want to see if they hit a grand slam again cuz that seems like that's all they ever do. Is hit grand slam games. Antonio Zinzatella who's going tonight for the uh Rock Pile. Wasn't very good last year. 25 starts, he had a 6.71 ERA. But I never know how to judge that when you pitch at Coors Field. Yeah, Marquez was our best pitcher last year, and he pitches tomorrow. If you look, if you go up purely off statistics, he was our best pitcher last year. You know what's crazy? Because of our time changes, I have no idea. What time are we going to? Uh, well, we can end uh, about now, and then. What time's pregame? 5.45. 5.45. Yeah. These times are just odd. I mean, it's hard to get used to. These are different times. For sure. And we're back when? We're back Friday, 3 o'clock. Back Friday at 3 o'clock. We'll have the Bob Melvin show. Uh, I'm assuming we'll have the David Force show. He's going to be happy camper. Yeah, I'm efforting to get uh, Dontrell Willis on, who's going to be appearing on uh, NBC Sports California's uh, A's coverage. So hopefully we can get Dontrell and. May or may not have Matt Olson on Friday, so we'll 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 see what happens. Between oh, now the and then. slugger! Can you imagine how good that was opening day for him? You make that great play in the top of the tenth, and then you walk it off with a grand slam. It's a big moment. It, it doesn't get any better than that. So this is just a quick little two-game set. Have a day off, and then uh, on the road, it is amazing the amount of home games to start the season that this Oakland A's team needs to take advantage of. Okay, we'll be back tomorrow. Uh, we'll have the game for you at 1240. That means I'm on at 1145. That's correct. Then we have a day off to rest up on Thursday and play golf. And then Friday, we'll be back at 3 o'clock. What a show we had today. Great job, Cody, as always. And we'd like to thank our wonderful guest as we had on Craig Mish from South Florida. We had Drew Gooden from the Rockies, the great Ray Fossey, and Matt Chapman all joined us today here on A's Cast Live. Coming up, what are we playing to get us into uh, A's Total Access? A's All Night with the great Joey Libatori will be up there. Oh, God, I cannot wait right here on A's Cast. Some things just go together peanut butter and jelly, cookies and milk, Oakland and Kaiser Permanente. If that last one caught you off guard, it shouldn't, because Kaiser Permanente has been helping keep Oakland healthy since our very beginning. And as the official healthcare partner of the Oakland A's, that won't be changing anytime soon. Whatever you may need, you can trust Kaiser Permanente to help keep you feeling your best. Kaiser Permanente. Thrive. Visit kp.org today. Right now, staying connected is more important than ever, and fast, reliable internet from Xfinity can help. We have plans to fit every budget, with speeds up to a gig, all at Xfinity.com. We'll ship you a self-install kit on us to make setup quick, safe, and easy. No tech visit required. And our simple digital tools will help you manage your account online. At Xfinity, we're committed to keeping you connected. Find great offers and value today at Xfinity.com. Restrictions apply. Actual speeds vary and not guaranteed. 
Chevron and its brands are committed to reliably providing fuel to customers, even during an emergency. The safety and health of workers, customers, and the communities where Chevron operates are primary concerns. In Northern California, Chevron and Texaco stations are open for business, supplying quality fuels in a safe manner. This is Chris Townsend for the Chicken Pie Shop of Walnut Creek. During these horrific times, people still need to get food, and the Chicken Pie Shop of Walnut Creek does deliver. Give them a call at 925-322-8799. That's 925-322-8799. Don't forget, their world-famous chicken pie and also all the other pies that they have you can freeze and have for a long time. So give the pie shop in Walnut Creek a call. You call them at 925-322-8799. And don't forget, you can also get beer, wine, and spirits with your delivery. And you can check out the full menu, chickenpieshopwc.com. That's chickenpieshopwc.com. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics. 